Billy Crystal, Rope Steers, Halle Berry's Boobs make their debut, and J.J. Abrams steals from Spielberg with help from Spielberg. This week on 30 Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 30 2010. Uh, hi, hi, hi. Your journey through the decades. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and you can tell I'm a 90s expansion team because I'm teal. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Sarah. Whew, and what a what a it, fantastic week uh, we have a, ahead of you. 30 2010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture uh, time machine, taking you back to three different decades, 30, 20, and 10 years ago, from this very week, this very week being June 4th through the 10th. So uh, jump on in the spaceship with us. Chris, Sarah, and Diana are going to take you on a little journey back to 1991, 2001, and uh, 2011 to see all the cool pop culture stuff that came out that that week with uh you know a little bit of news and television along the way wow real dull week for television outside of one biggie yeah <laughs> outside, uh, outside it's of it's this summer we're heading into the doldrums but we are we are definitely in like a into the tentpole area of summer movies so that's exciting and i can remember seeing so many of these movies in theaters because i was very excited for all of them and very disappointed by several of them yeah <laughs> that's where i'm at but we're here to revisit them so maybe that'll change this show, I should say right off the bat, is executive produced by Connor Ritter and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time, where for just five bucks, you can keep your favorite podcast network going. We encourage you to do so. We've got a lot more laser times, 302010s, and video game apocalypses headed your way in addition to bonus stuff. We just did a, uh, if you remember us, me and Sammy uh, uh, and Diana and Sarah talking about Stone Cold, we just watched that live with our <laughs> viewers, and uh, you'll get a, you can get an audio commentary of that. To sync up with a movie which is free on YouTube, despite Ooh, yeah. being owned as of now by Jeffrey Bezos. Congratulations on your purchase of Stone Cold, Mr. Bezos. It's all <laughs> worth it. You know, every like what like when I moved, I'm like, oh, I didn't know I owned uh, McDonald's Fraggle toys still in the packaging. Where do these come from? Jeffrey Bezos has that with entire movies. It's <laughs> <laughs> Whole movies. Beginning as we always do in 30, 2010 with 1991. We'll begin in that decade 30 years ago. And as, as Diana teased, the Florida Marlins expansion team is announced. And I get that you're probably flippant flip about that, having grown up in a town with like 19 baseball teams stolen from <laughs> other cities. But uh, if you grew up as a Floridian, as Sarah and I did, mm. that was incredibly exciting. That was Very Florida's first baseball team. I'm sure. Up until then... Um, I, this is a fun fact because it's it's where I grew up and where I went to school. Florida had to love the Atlanta Braves. Yep. And so right. the Atlanta Braves stole Tallahassee, Florida's college chance, the very, very chop. sensitive uh, tomahawk chops. And the Braves mm-hmm. stole that from Floridian fans because they had nowhere else to put their love. And then the Marlins <laughs> came along and they were great instantly and everyone loved them. No, <laughs> but, but if you were a little kid uh, around then, and your dad's like baseball, like little kids were draped in these colors. Like it what felt like years before a, a single bat was cracked. Uh, we, <laughs> we all had Florida Marlins gear and I had those ugly teal hats. Oh my God. I had so many. Yeah. It is so fascinating that you can tell when a team was added. If there's teal, it is the nineties. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's true. The Marlins, 
the Jaguars, Panthers, the Grizzlies, maybe. the Mighty Ducks. The Mighty Ducks, yes. Uh, the San Jose Sharks. Teal. There is. Wow. A, I, 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 I got to get you this proof. Maybe I'll put it on the Patreon. There is a picture of me, school picture day, Florida Marlin shirt, mustache just coming in. It looks, it looks yeah. awful. It looks <laughs> It's one of my least favorite pictures of myself. Uh, nice. You can watch the puberty clobbering me in one single picture. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, that's happening. And then Bruce Springsteen, Mary Singer, uh, Patty. Oh, God. Ski Sci- Alpha. Ski Alpha. I'll help you out there. Yeah. And they are still together. So happy anniversary, guys. Just tying stuff together. His previous wife that he was married to briefly and then they they broke up probably because he was already seeing patty scalfo was julianne phillips who was frankie on sisters okay what yep (laughs) wow 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 okay okay i thought i remember there was some was bruce springsteen not involved in some marital scandal is that over with you're not seeing currently no yeah like not in the last 30 years he's still married to the same person yeah that man can do no wrong um but <laughs> he's spe- a saint speaking of can't fail people uh people magazine's most beautiful people issue number one most beautiful person in the world julia roberts julia roberts that tracks mm-hmm. yep i can see it for 1991 yeah. for sure oh yeah. yeah and it's her first of i think a couple that hair's doing a lot of work no 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 love for the smile fine fine the hair, the teeth. Fine. And just just the teeth. No love for the lips. You think they're too thin? Sarah thinks they're too thin. I'm oh, trying, how I, dare you? I'm trying to start a Reddit scandal. Add it to the list. Yeah. Uh, we'll add it to the list, including that creepy fuck who wants to nail my sister. Relax, dude. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> She's taken. Yes. <laughs> yeah. She just got engaged, bud. Relax. Um <laughs> Uh, Wait till she has a kid. You're lucky I don't know how to ban people. But yeah, mo- jumping into the movies um, of 1991, June 4th to the 10th, this is exciting because I think we probably managed to see all these. These were all pretty notable, I'd say classics, and aired on cable pretty consistently throughout the next 20 years. I mean, one of them is more of a cult favorite, yeah. you know, seen by a lot of people. It's like a nostalgic favorite, but it does have an amazing title. So it, it does. Did you always see? gets points for having an amazing. Title. Did you see what the original title was? Mm-mm. It was they had to change it because of a little MTV show that hadn't aired yet. It was called The Real World, and I'm what? like, that's that's. It's usually the opposite case where a movie with a great title is changed to a boring title. That's a boring as hell title that yeah. had to change itself to "Don't Tell Mom that the Babysitter's Dead." The, the second Keith Coogan movie to reference babysitting. Josh Charles Keith Coogan, Joanna Cassidy, and Christina Applegate in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. When's your mom leaving? <laughs> I'm getting rid of her for two whole months. I'm the babysitter. What? TV rots your brains. She died in her sleep. Now Christina Applegate and her brother. Rock and roll! Spend a summer with no rules. Throw the lawn today and don't forget to do the dishes, Okay. Dishes are done, man. Don't tell mom. The babysitter's dead. Ah! Rated PG-13. Sneak preview Saturday night. Oh, I miss a sneak preview. And this is where I just have to throw in that Mrs. Doubtfire made a grievous mistake by not changing their title to Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dad. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. Uh, but yeah, this this movie, uh, we, I feel like I've talked about HBO a lot lately. I've had HBO kind of sporadically throughout my life, either stolen or paid for. This movie was always on in the middle yeah. of the day. Always. Yeah. It was impossible to miss. In fact, I was years later I found out it was a cult favorite. I'm like, really? I'm really tired of this movie. Mm-hmm. Very tired. <laughs> uh but but I get it. It's totally fun. Um it is 
It is like teenage <laughs> Home Alone for preteens. It's and, Home yeah. Alone meets Working Girl. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. nailed it. Thanks. In, in, right. in, among the things introduced to me in this movie was the concept of a petty cash dr- uh, drawer. Yes, and that's a that very adult a concept. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I watched it. I mean, I've seen bits and pieces of it growing up because, it, again, it was always on. But I rewatched it kind of recently, and it's fine. I understand a lot of people have, like, a lot of affection for it, though. And I totally get why because it is definitely that movie that you just watch while you're hanging around on a hot summer day in the house. Or you, like, watch it after you, like, get out of the pool with all your cousins and you guys are eating popsicles. Like, <laughs> but not sitting on the couch because you can't get the couch wet. <laughs> I don't know. Just throwing out like, you know, very generic scenario that we've all encountered. Yeah. I guess I didn't realize how close it is to coming out around Home Alone. That We had Home Alone uh, came out Thanksgiving. So it's yeah, six months <laughs> there, and it's like people are ready for more. Yeah. There is. A, we could probably do a whole laser time about children's movies where kids gain autonomy. <laughs> That's just like the <laughs> yes. primary concept. And I was I was completely there for it. Like I really resented school and my parents at the time. Thanks to a lot of, uh, you know, marketing I've been catching up on when it told me all my teachers sucked. You're right, kid. Eat bubble tea. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah, but that's, I mean, ends up being the lesson where it's like, oh, they're not hard asses because they enjoy being hard asses. It's like you have to sort of do some work and cooperate to keep shit running yes. or else mm-hmm. everything Or you'll die or shoot the plates for a fleeting moment of fun. But now you have no plates. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. And no plan to get more plates. I've been there, kids. I'm not shaming you. You got to go through this. You got to find out on your own. You got to shoot your plates and eat from your hands. You want a hard pivot in the next film? Oh, this is a really hard pivot because, yes. yeah, Don't Tell Mom the Baby Who's Sitter's Dead is like, it's fun, it's light, it's wacky. And then we have a movie where it's like, oh dear. Spike Lee is just trying to put everything into one movie and he's successful <laughs> at like 90% of it. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I saw this back. If you didn't hear our show previously, my dad showed me Do the Right Thing at like possibly too young an age. But he, Spike Lee in our house had kind of a pass, even though I wasn't really allowed to watch rated R movies. And I think I watched this at a point where I was not going to have any understanding of it. And I remember certain scenes and it just it doesn't resonate with me at all. I didn't get a chance to rewatch it. I didn't uh, get a chance to watch Halle Berry, Ruby D, Ozzy, Ozzy Davis, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, John Totoro, Anthony Quinn, Spike Lee, Annabella Sciorra, and Wesley Snipes in Jungle Fever. Wesley Snipes has everything a man could want. A great job, a loving wife. He also has... She's white. White! Jungle Fever. From director <laughs> Spike Lee. Rated R. Starts Friday at a theater near you. What a dated concept. Well, they explain what jungle fever is. It's not just like, oh, you're horny. It's you are horny for the stereotyped version of another race in your head Mm. that doesn't exist. You know, it's really because it's weird because it's about racism and there's also about stuff about gender and also the crack epidemic and also colorism all crammed into this movie. But yeah, and, and that's just most of it. There's still more. But yeah, Wesley Snipes and Annabella Sciorra start having this affair. And basically other friends are saying it's like you're like they're telling Annabella Sciorra, you're not having you're not having this affair because you like Wesley Snipes as a person. Like this is you playing into stereotypes about black masculinity and black sexuality. And they've got bigger dicks and they love white women and like all the black people. Wesley Snipes' life was like our society puts white women on this pedestal as being like 
the most beautiful, the most regal and gentle and perfect thing. And it's like you work in a very white collar job. And so, you know, you're you're trying to have everything the white man has. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah, that's a heavy concept. It's not just, <laughs> oh, people don't understand our biracial love. It's like, no, your biracial love is fetishism. There you mm-hmm. go. I was saving the F word fetishism. Mm. So they get into that and like, how do their families feel? And meanwhile, like Samuel Jackson's his brother's got a big crack problem with his girlfriend, Halle Berry, who looks she looks like a mouse, like because she, she's such a beautiful woman, but she's all cracked out. So she's mm. just like twitchy and weird. and Her eyes are gigantic. And there's all kinds of family drama with that. And like her family are Italian-Americans and they're like, you know, ready to put the beat on her for like the messing with the Moulinians and. Wesley Snipes' family are all like... I was just about to make a reference to the M word, and you just went and said it. And- ah! <laughs> okay. Actually, you know what? I feel... Well, is it better or worse that I'm not Italian, and you are Italian? I you give should... you blanket permission forever. Okay. Diane, yeah. So you want I some g- too, Sarah? I mean, sure. <laughs> it's good to have. Wait for I your... don't plan on you. It, but you never well know. let's wait till your yeah. birthday then i might not be able to get you anything yeah. else. okay <laughs> you know in exchange i will give you three times you're allowed to call me a heeb how about that um oh. no. <laughs> but they can, have to be in love can i does that come with a gift or <laughs> you can't say it angry <laughs> i don't know maybe yeah maybe next time i'm i'm mad about something israel did uh, okay but... <laughs> you just take it out on me for yeah <laughs> that's where this is well wow this us, is the... so. yeah why is peace yeah. so difficult this was we brokered it fairly easily yeah we figured it out good for us <laughs> good for us while uh, talking about definitively about jungle yeah. fever yeah <laughs> how about that no i think i mean it's a great movie there is one scene in particular that's just like all these like girlfriends hanging out you know who are all black and they break down was it misogynoir is the term mm. the like particular misogyny against black women and colorism Mm -hmm. in like a four minute scene like they explain all of it and it's like massively eye-opening to you know little like 14 year old me of like oh gosh i never really thought about yeah people with darker skin are treated differently than people with lighter skin even in the black community oh fuck damn wow that's great it is really good and it puts samuel jackson on the map so we always can thank it for that. Sorry, sorry, coming to America, that wasn't enough. Uh, and, and do the right thing, which he was also in. Yeah, I was gonna say he's oh, also yeah. that as, as the DJ. But you're right; it was a, it was a slow burn. He was he'll be in Jurassic yeah. Park for like ten minutes uh, in two years. Yeah, and, but just like, and also, I think part of why he's he's especially good is he had just gotten out of rehab for his own crack problem. Sam Jackson. Yeah, I didn't I was, know that. I always forget he's oh, like yeah. he's like seventy and like lived a lifetime before we ever knew him as an entity. Oh hell and, yeah! So yeah, he he had his own struggles with addiction and he puts it in his performance and he it's heartbreaking. It's scary, you know, to think of like your loved one just breaking into your house and threatening you and stealing your TV because because the crack in their brain is telling them to do it because they're desperate. It's like mm-hmm. yeah, well. yeah. Movie takes on a lot uh, and it mostly gets there. <laughs> Because that's wow. the, the only clip I wanted to play from it is the one I play at parties uh, from, <laughs> oh, from the no. ending. It's just a oh, slow no. scene of Wesley Snipes walking down the street and then turns into this. Your daddy, I'll suck your big black dick for $2. No! Oh, oh, no! That's a drone shot flying into his mouth decades before drones were ever invented. I don't even know how they shot that. That, Yeah, really big crane. Yeah, yeah, you've shown that to me before, and it is inexplicable, honestly. (laughs) Like, I don't... 
Like what? you can start from anything with the music playing and the price. Two dollars. Two dollars. Two dollars. Like you Give can that is way less than minimum wage. Come on, the blowjob's <laughs> worth way more than that. Uh, I would even hug someone for two dollars. Yeah, unless you're really good at it, <laughs> I guess. Really not hug them. Yes. I just grossed myself out. I know, but she is charging like like county fair kissing po- booth prices. For, <laughs> yeah. It's, for, and, it's like, yeah, that's the price of a raffle ticket for like an elementary school fundraiser. That's, that's not a sex act. Damn to, it, woman. Oh, is this, this make us truly white people that all, that's all we can think about is the economics of this situation. Uh, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. The movie crams in a lot because you know it's the devastation of the community and people with the crack epidemic and stuff mm-hmm. and you know there's like critics who think that like that's that's a vision of his daughter in the future mm-hmm. that's, and what it that's seems why the he's most so like. upset yes like okay that's an interesting oh yeah right. it, it, the, somebody's daughter right. aspect of it all we don't need to do that <laughs> yeah. we can't just feel that way about any woman or person I don't know. What you don't if, have to personalize it. Would it make it different if your daughter's prices were higher? Well, certainly. No, no, we no, want her to oh, value yeah. herself. Right. I will suck yeah. your big back cock for $10,000. There you go. <laughs> I don't know why I chose that voice. Um, <laughs> I mean, you got to fight that imposter syndrome. I, okay. <laughs> yeah. Value your own labor. It's yeah. lean in. Yeah. You know, <laughs> lean in, girl. Wash your face. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> that is a self-help book by an awful oh. human being. If you're not yeah. aware. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness! And then again, equally difficult pivot into um, the number one movie what? at the box office this week. Oh, okay, sorry. I could actually, I could actually do a pivot for this. So, Jungle Fever is a movie that tries to fit a lot of heavy issues all into one movie. City Slickers is a movie that looks like it has no issues and still manages to get some in. Yeah. <laughs> it sneaks him in as opposed to Spike Lee, who is a man of no subtlety, like we just saw with that end. <laughs> yeah, this this was a surprisingly heavier watch than I expected it yeah. to be. And I, I, I saw it like at least 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I saw it in theaters, Joss Mostel, David Paymer, Helen Slater, Pat- uh, Patricia Wedig, uh, Jack Palance, Bruno Kirby, Daniel Cern, and Billy Crystal, number one at the box office this week. City Slickers. Turning 39 wasn't the end of the world. You know what I found yesterday? Hair in my ear. It just felt like it. Go and find your smile. Welcome to the Stone Range. What do you think? I think you look like one of the village people. Came out of here, City Slickers? Yeehaw! You're gonna go home, cowboy. Uh-oh. Hey, one walk! I'll hold her down. You deliver the cat. You know, this was not in the brochure. Billy Crystal. Woo! Well, I wish the kids could have seen that. City Slickers. Rated PG-13. Coming June 7th to a theater near you. And it's, man, it's not like I love this movie, but I do forget Billy Crystal is undeniably funny. Oh, funny in this. I feel like I hate him and I'm like, no, he's really, and he, you know, he did, he's the executive producer, but he did write the treatment for most of this. Like he had script writers bang out the script and they're credited, but Billy Crystal is the writer of this movie. Uh, technically. Yeah. A couple of the stories he tells are actual Billy Crystal stories. Yeah. Although he leaves out one because it ties so well into it. So his dad was uh, like a jazz producer, owned a small yeah. record label. So he knew a ton of like really ridiculously famous jazz people <laughs> as he was a little kid. Billy Holiday took him to his first movie. And it was Shane starring and- Jack Palance. <laughs> Jack- yes. <What? laughs> yeah. I just saw that too. And I was like, what? Yeah. 
Yeah. And I'm kind of bummed because they did try to get Clint Eastwood and he wanted way too much money. And then they went to Charles Bronson, who would have been so good. I'll do it for nothing. <laughs> uh, but Jack Powell and so I forgot how little of the movie he's in because he's mm. so freaking memorable. And then we was I don't want to talk about the sequel. I realized most of my memories of City Slickers, like the bad memories, are actually about the sequel, which sucks. But this t- actually has like emotional weight to it and takes its time to get where it's going. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about Billy Crystal having this, you know, beginning of a midlife crisis. But it's it's not depicted as like, I'm going to go cheat with young white. Look at that hot college student. It's just just that feeling of like malaise, just depression. Yeah, mm-hmm. just, it's it's exactly where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> just, it, it, I didn't yeah. really. I don't know I, I who I am or what I'm doing anymore. I inadvertently yeah. got two years older than Billy Crystal in this movie, but he just says <laughs> it. He says something I've said on some of our more depressing bonus times. It's like I'm at the peak of whatever this is and I'm only getting worse. And, well, and, <laughs> and I mean, at the heart, like the three main characters are dealing with fear. This is a yeah. movie about fear. And, you know, like Billy Crystal is facing the fear of a midlife crisis or he's unhappy with his situation. Everyone's unhappy for different reasons and ha- and are fearful of the future for different reasons. I really like Bruno yeah. Kirby's whole storyline where he is yeah. seen as this like adventuresome playboy, but that's all driven out of fear because he can't, he's afraid of himself and like who he really is. And Daniel Stern's, you know, storyline also is all about fear. And then, yeah, it's just a great exploration of that. And, you know, if you can, it's a great thing to do to get out of your comfort zone. Is, well, yeah, they, if you're scared, you should do more things that scare you, but I, things I, that you can control. I always like remember, going on an adventure. I remember this movie being like much more saccharine and pappier than, than it really mm-hmm. is. And, and, and yeah. it, because it wasn't. It's not like they really they go is they, not. they go in a cattle rustling journey to rekindle their it's not an Adam Sandler movie like shit doesn't go wrong we're like ah they put diarrhea in the water it's it like shit goes real wrong like scary wrong mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah several times yeah i i had forgotten how yeah i mean you you need the heaviness and darkness to kind of balance some of the other stuff out but i've forgotten how desperate daniel stern becomes when he hits rock bottom yeah and is literally about to murder a man just because he's sick of being bullied and that's Mm -hmm. that's after a a gun barrel is stuck into a baby cow's mouth (laughs) before they call like Movie's PG, but it, it does feel weird in a world where they, you know, oh, you just called Billy Crystal the F word. Like this is this is a word we don't even allow in rated R movies anymore. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah so... There's there's darkness here. This is not. I know. I know this isn't for everybody. I don't want to go to like super to the bad for City Slickers, but it was way better than I expected going into a rewatch of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Definitely. I I really remembered it as being just wackety schmackety, and I've forgotten like the. The wacky parts aren't insanely wacky. There's a little bit of just, you know, dumb humor. The idea of like, oh, these city boys, they got to have their fresh ground coffee. And then the coffee grinder like makes all the cows run away and trash Mm -hmm. all their stuff. And they're like, did I do that? (laughs) But much more it is about, um, I don't know how to put it, just like coming of age and into middle age. I guess it's about like growing up. And finding yourself by being in like the least you situation possible. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's about confronting the crushing fear of aging, mm-hmm. which I am might be going through a little bit of that myself. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's a and- certain amount of like, oh, you you soft city men. You know, the idea of modern men aren't real men's men because they're so soft and caring and have feelings. Ew. <laughs> And here it's like this balances out. It's like no, their feelings are what make them strong. Yes, damn it. Like when all those those drunk cattle rustlers like really start like aggressively hitting on Supergirl. (laughs) Billy Crystal's Mm -hmm. like, fellas, hello. That's not very '90s behavior. I just love that. (laughs) Did not expect that line from this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I remember '90s behavior, and that was very consistent with it. Yeah, it's like he's a tiny guy going up against these big guys, but, you know, he does it. He has heart. And Supergirl would totally get with him if he wanted to get with Supergirl because of it. Let that be a lesson to you. <laughs> That's, we're talking about Helen Slater. I still didn't recognize her as Supergirl until I started looking into the movie. Uh, yeah. Did you recognize uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, though? Is he the, the kid? Yeah, he's Billy Crystal's kid. That's yeah. 10-year-old Jake Gyllenhaal in his, his film debut. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, his kids are played by Billy Crystal's real kid and Jake Gyllenhaal. Wow. <laughs> I can't figure out which, which one I like be better. It must really awkward if you're on set and you're like, hi, pretend dad. Oh, that's your real <laughs> daughter. You don't love me. You never did. Uh, <laughs> and, and I was also awash in um, nostalgia just in, in that I, when the movie came out, everybody I knew saw it. Kids everywhere in summer camp are going, hello, which is like the only time I'm <laughs> annoyed on the level I thought I'd be through the whole movie is just when Billy Crystal does his catchphrase over and over again. Uh, I remember the gasp of young people when we saw what Lisa Simpson looked like for the first time, because hearing that <laughs> voice come out of a human being in a movie theater, the Simpsons is a white hot phenomenon right now. And oh, I didn't even think of that. You're right. Yeah. None of us had seen a yearly Smith ever on screen before, but she runs in to scream at Daniel Stern that she, I'm 27 and I'm pregnant with your baby uh, during wow. a party sequence. And it's unmistakably Lisa Simpson. And uh, I, yep. I mean, kid, I was and, a kid. At with, this point, you didn't know about the movie she made with Helen Slater, Legend of Billie Jean. Uh, Legend of Billie Jean. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. And and then I, I don't know why. It's a, it's a, it's a, a vague because I don't remember a ton about seeing the film in a the theater. I'm watching the scene like he's giving birth to the baby cow, and he's as <laughs> my watch came off, and I just <laughs> I I remember like that's a that's still funny. That's a great joke, yep. um, and it's a great PG joke. I remember the pop in theaters. Uh, mm. when I tend to remember things that I found funny and no one else laughed at or the things adults fell in funny and no one laughed at. The pop at that line in City Slickers in the theater in the first week was just cacophonous. It was so loud. Like the biggest <laughs> laugh the movie got. Losing your... <laughs> losing your watch inside a cow. cow. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those where it's like... This, this is why I love this show, where it's like, I think I know a movie... Uh, do I really want to go back and reevaluate it? Okay, I will. And it ends up being like, son of a bitch. That was so much better than I expected. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm putting this with Dances with Wolves on that shelf of like, God damn though. Yeah, there's problems. Yeah, it's not perfect, but yeah. holy crap. That was way better than I remember it being. Yeah, I, I have I, to recommend it. Way did, better than expected and definitely an iconic movie of the 90s, I think. Yeah, like, that, I think yeah. we can put it in there as like, if you think of 90s movies, especially comedies, City Slickers is right there that comes to the front of the mind, I think. Yeah, it, it, the yeah. vibe. The, 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 the music, I think you'd end up hearing in a lot of commercials and uh, and, and other trailers. I, I can't even tell if it's exactly from this movie because there's a couple well, of things where there's rescoring Bonanza and Rawhide themes, which my dad yeah. was cracking up at, but I've never seen those fucking shows. I mean, yeah. I'm sure that music was used in the um, El Paso, uh, or was it Pace Picante 
New York City. <laughs> I can see thinking it. Thinking about that this whole time, like <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like I've heard it eleven Ooh. times. Like when someone is just advertising a fast food sandwich with barbecue sauce, you hear the city yeah. slickers music. Well, it is really close to the to a couple different. It it borrows really heavily from some classic Western themes. Cool. How the Westers one pops up is is one of the main sort of themes where it's like it's it's almost a sound alike where it's okay. like it's. A couple notes are different, and that's good enough. Now, are, is Billy Crystal and Bruno Kirby, are they best friends in real life? Oh, yeah, I have to I, imagine, because he's I in when Harry Met Sally were. in like the same yeah. the same role, practically. It's just like, it's always interesting when you see like two people play best friends in several different movies. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I wonder yeah. if he wasn't in the He wasn't in the sequel because oh. he was terribly allergic to horses, and it physically what? hurt him to be on set. What? Had to, yeah, he had to get yeah. shot full of shit every day to like just to endure the shoot. Yeah. Okay. And other universe version, is this better or worse with Rick Moranis as Daniel Stern's part? Was that is that how it was supposed Ooh. to be? That's how it was supposed to be, but that's when he found out his wife was sick. Oh. No shit. Wow. I yeah. don't think Rick Moranis could have tackled that tall cowboy. Um, same believability. <laughs> I also don't want to see Rick Moranis having an affair. With mm. Lisa Simpson. That's God, true. that's appropriate. <laughs> so if I were to have some sort of like midlife crisis breakdown, I need to do some adventure thing. It certainly wouldn't be this because I riding horses is on my fuck it list of things that I'll never do again as opposed to a bucket list. Yeah, me too. But what would be your like adventure, reaffirm your life trip to kind of get you out of your I'm I'm not trying to sound smug because I've only done it three times in my life, four times. Habitat for Humanity. It makes me feel incredibly manly. I love the idea of working with tools and building houses. It does. It, it, I don't. I never had a. Uh, I never secretly wanted to rustle cattle. I've always wanted to build stuff and like. But okay. you know, I, yeah. I, I grew up in such a class where that was no, no, no. You must go to college and have a degree and do something with paper and pencil and computers. Uh, but like, yeah. I genuinely love building stuff, and when you get to do it occasionally for Habitat for Humanity, it feels real good. And uh, and I feel like I'm. I never feel like I'm learning better when like, oh, this is something I've always kind of wanted to do anyway. I'm paying very close mm-hmm. attention and remembering how to do this stuff mm-hmm. as opposed to using an Excel sheet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it needs to be something physically exhausting, physically mm-hmm. challenging. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, this is going to sound weird, but farming. Oh, You know, you can do that. It's called woofing. Where it's, huh. there's, my sister did it. It's actually kind of a network of Airbnb type situations, but particularly towards small farms where you can go and you stay there like in a cabin or something like that. And you can actually like do farming type yeah. work. And it's very yes. rewarding, apparently. It's yeah. Like someone w- who's like, UF or something like that. Yeah. Someone who could like teach me some farming stuff because I wish I could grow things a lot better. I'm really good at growing succulents, but I can't grow anything else. But it's so rewarding to watch stuff grow and like feel like I did that. I have accomplished this thing. Yeah, I could do that yeah, too. That would be cool. Yeah. I want to milk something, you know? <laughs> I don't care what. Reddit, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> don't you do- <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I was just curious. Like, I, I'm trying to think of my own situation, but it would probably involve you know, I, some sort I of did. like scuba I, diving or something like that. I think I would ah, really like. I cannot. I always wanted to do that, and I cannot because I broke my eardrum uh, in a diving mm-hmm. accident. So I can never mm-hmm. scuba dive. I have tried milking a goat, and I've always thought about this. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done. But now I. Re- Sorry, the realization I had now, but I have learned how to jerk off since then. 
And I remember being taught and like, you need to slide it like this. I'm like, what the fuck is this motion? I haven't encountered anything like that. Why am I getting turned on? What even is this? I'm seven. I don't get this at all. And it was really hard to do. I'm like, I bet I could do it now. I bet bet I could do it now. I bet I could be the best in the nation. Yeah. I mean, perfectly equivalent. A goat's utter. You yes, know. I bet I could win at so least one for one replication. A bronze in a goat milking in the Olympics or Special Olympics, wherever the event she is. She called your dick tidy. Oh, she did again. <laughs> I will. Okay, getting back to City Slickers. Oh Jesus! Just for a moment. Uh it made me miss Bruno Kirby. He's so no longer much. with us. He, he he died. Passed away. He and Jack Palance passed away the same year. Wow. Yeah. Two thousand six. With a 30-year age difference between me. He was 57. Leukemia got him. And yeah, he's one of those guys where it's like, you don't really think about it. And then you watch a movie with him and he's so damn good. And you're like, oh, I can think of all the parts I would have put you in. Yeah, great character actor. Uh, it's heartbreaking to see him show up on the Larry Sanders show. Because it's mm. always with Aww. someone who's usually who's dead too. Mm. Um, but he, he was cool. like a frequent guest on. I, I'm telling you, there's some episodes of Larry Sanders like Larry's guest tonight: Tom Petty, Warren Zevon, John Ritter, and Bruno Kirby. And like that way, like, this whole like, oh, room is dead. And Holy it ripped shit. horns all up in there, yeah. and it's like, oh. <laughs> like how did Jeffrey Tambor survive yeah. all this? The overweight tall guy somehow survived, and like no one else. Yeah, I would trade Jeffrey Tambor for Gary Shanley. Knowing what you know, yes, um, definitely, but. Yeah. Uh, City Slickers is on HBO Max. Um, I'm, I'm not ready to talk about City Slickers 2, the search for Curly's gold. Um, no. Because even no, I remember I like, That's where, where all my bad thoughts came from. That I might be were, true. I had just been, they had been overwritten by the sequel instead of them coexisting. Yeah, because we have a bigger thing to jump into, and I try to get some uh, information out of a buddy as we move into this. Like, I think this the coolest thing on television this week is Twin Peaks' first of three, maybe four finale. (laughs) (laughs) Not a season finale. This is the end of uh, Twin Peaks, the second season, Mm -hmm. right? Which is the end until the movie. And then 25 years later. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the, the third and it season might be return. coming back again. We don't know. It Rumor is it's definitely coming back. I mean, what else would you expect from Twin Peaks besides confusion and doubt? Like, that's perfect. <laughs> that's a perfect way to, like, be a fan of Twin Peaks is to never really know where you stand with it. And I – this finale is fantastic. Like, I went back and watched the last cool. couple minutes of it just to refresh myself. And I had not watched Twin Peaks until Sam showed it to me a couple of years ago. And I had been kind of resistant of it because I just I just didn't feel like it was for me. Ended up loving it so much. I think about it all the time. And when we were sitting there watching this finale and it came on and I saw the ending of it, I just turned to Sam with like a giant like, what the fuck? And it's like <laughs> so scary. Yeah. So scary. Like Kyle MacLachlan is like, everyone should be talking about that dude constantly all the time. Like he is yep. such a gifted actor comedically first of all that we didn't really even realize and it is just a crying shame that the majority of millennials know him from fucking sex in the city when reality like he is portlandia 
Yeah, hopefully <laughs> yeah. that's overridden most Sex in the City stuff. Yeah, but... go watch Dunes and get off my lawn. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Dune. Or just look, or just look at his Twitter feed, which is all about like his wine that he's producing, yes. which is based on a Shakespeare reference, which I love. So he's pursued by bear wines. <laughs> so he has all those, <laughs> always reading Shakespeare and then have, being chased by a bear. <laughs> he's just a fucking okay. delight. I just he's love just him. He's just a fun so guy. Much. But yeah, yeah I so, mean. It's creepier than that last scene of Twin Peaks. Yeah, oh I, I asked our, so, our, our... Yeah, it's tough because it ends... It's it's a cliffhanger. It ends on a cliffhanger, but also not. But also, like, we've already solved the Laura Palmer thing. Right. And so this show's been drifting a little bit. Well, that's You have to talk uh, about that, too. That, like, the, the, the studio jumps in at the end of season one, kind of gets their fingers and everything, tells them they have to solve the murder that the whole show is centered around early on like the first episode of the second season or early in the second no, season no pretty like, early somewhere ha- well somewhere in the middle i think yeah like halfway through the audience finds out the right. murder but it's not solved by the characters until a little bit even later on but that. even david lynch leaves and yeah and then like this white hot fandom kind of just like starts to taper off and right then it's canceled and i reached out to our buddy kevin who still throws you know i would throw like twin peaks parties and go to twin peaks conventions and he's like yeah it really pissed me off the first time i saw it when it aired uh and then firewalk with me uh the the movie that comes out (laughs) made me even more mad but um over time those both come together to be pretty amazing endings and i I love hearing kevin talk about firewalk with me of something i have actually never ever seen because it's it's, oh that's a weird one but yeah hey what do you expect it's off it's like like most twin peak stuff it is inexplicable but also interesting but also scary Mm. and uh i love how he put it and if you wanted to see it in hard r like it's a follow-up that's a very very hard r and oh it is a hard abc television show anymore and david bowie's there yep yeah i mean like i mean that's the whole point of twin peaks though like especially this ending like it's supposed to stick in your craw it's really supposed to like not give you imagery that you can never really let go of um, mm. And normally, mm. I don't like that. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not a fan of that kind of, I don't know, making me feel a certain way of entertainment. But in for some reason, for whatever reason, David Lynch does it for me. Mm. Awesome, and uh, I, I do, yeah. Reading about him, he, David Lynch wouldn't make a sequel for no reason. It's def. Have you ever seen anything he's ever done that looks like? Well, that was about the money. Maybe Dune. <laughs> <laughs> maybe dude maybe dude i don't know though i think dude probably just it was a thing that just got I think away it, i think him. it did too yeah. listen read, that, go and read his comments about turning george lucas down for return of the jedi dude does not care that much about money and that yeah. would have been amazing because uh he's a great director and he hadn't gone he hadn't unleashed his full insanity quite yet on us yeah he was just doling it out in little pieces <laughs> but is he insane or is he actually the most sane because you know he's like super into tm and like i I just I love all of that stuff. I don't know when people ask like, "What's your the question?" That I always fucking hate so much. It's like, "What's your ideal dinner party?" I do. I mean, I feel like after this conversation, I would have to say it's definitely gonna be David Lynch and Werner Herzog. I just want them <laughs> to talk to each other and then also to me a little bit. I just wanted to fall out of my chair and yell really fast. Anything in a restaurant? Restaurant? Food in a restaurant? That's where I want to be. I feel like if I was in. 
at a dinner party with those two, it'd be like when your dog is sitting between you and your friend and you're you and your friend you're talking, your dog's just like looking like <laughs> back and forth and but obviously not understanding anything but still enjoying a fun time. I know That's what I I, exactly like. <laughs> I want David Lynch and Werner Herzog to go to your dinner party and I want them to talk entirely about how much they love Full House. I have Please? I have pl- I have plumbed the depths of this green bean casserole. It always happens first. It's, I, I, I admire your suit. That means so much coming from you who has never seen without a suit. And, <laughs> um, so much fun with a better improv- improvisational person. Anyway, moving on. No games, to sp- no mainstream games to speak of uh, this week, but plenty of music uh, coming out this week. Like Make a Noise uh, here by Frank Zappa. Still with make us for another year here. or two. Oh, make make a jazz noise here by Frank Zappa. Uh, <laughs> funny guy. Really doesn't get enough credit for that. Seal self-titled debut. Superstition by Susie and the Banshees. Uh, and the mix by Kraftwerk. And uh, Slave to the Grind by Skid Row is also out this week. Let's Ooh. close out. Rub, ru- shirtless rubbing yeah. our arms together. Back to back. More than words by Extreme. It's number one this week. You don't like this song. I don't, and I know that's very shocking to everyone. But this song, it's, this it's song so was this song was not made for men. <laughs> yes, Isn't it is. a song though about like being like you know how you really want to show me that you love me? Oh yeah, sex. Yeah, no, the lyrics are full on coercion. But the melody's <laughs> <laughs> um, Pass on that one. But what? Can't pass on it. We got to close out with it. But stay right there. We will really pivot hard from extreme uh, as we jump into the next decade. I promise. More than words is all you have to do to make it real. Then you wouldn't have to say that you love me. Cause I'd already know. Folks, you know us here at the Laser Time Network. We consume a lot of content for quote-unquote research purposes. (laughs) From games to TV shows to movies, we're always online downloading something, streaming something. But there are times when it's nearly impossible to access a piece of content you want because it isn't available in the U.S. for whatever reason. Oh, those things like annoying licensing deals, geo-restricted servers, or platforms that are just not available in your location make it next to impossible to get your hands on the stuff you want. Hey, that's why we couldn't be happier that NordVPN is our sponsor today, and they provide an easy-to-use workaround for all these problems. With over 5,400 servers in 59 countries, they can always find a server to get us access to the game, shows, and movies. We need to do our job. It could not be any simpler to use either. With their AutoConnect feature, you can instantly access the fastest VPN solutions out there across a variety of devices, including PC, Android, iOS, Mac, and even more. Hey, maybe even Android TV. Just open a map, click on a location, and you'll be connected in seconds. It is that easy. Is there a game or movie or TV show not available in your country? It's not a problem anymore. Just change your virtual location for access to a variety of international storefronts. You can even do this to access different streaming platforms that may not be available in your home country. Talking to you, Canada. You can find discounts on games, lower streaming subscriptions, and even take advantage of international sales and pricing. So how do you get on this? Easy. Go to nordvpn.com slash lasertime or use the coupon code lasertime to get a two-year plan plus one additional month with a huge discount. And hey, they even have a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you've got nothing to lose. Once again, go to nordvpn.com slash lasertime to use the code lasertime, one word, to get a two-year plan plus one additional month at a huge discount. Thank you, NordVPN. And there's those other things. 
In 2001, Cigarettes and Chocolate Milk by Rufus Wainwright off of Poses. Rufus Wainwright. That is still a little... uh, Rufus Wainwright. Rufus Wainwright. It's very difficult to say, Mm -hmm. but Poses is a perfect album. Uh Uh-oh. Thanks, Oprah. Tens, tens, (laughs) tens across the board. This album is perfect from beginning to end. Like, and it's just so gorgeous, so queer. (laughs) <laughs> so like beautifully captures so many themes of like longing and and love and very bohemian in a lot of ways and cigarettes and chocolate milk is absolutely my favorite song off the album but if i have to sell it to you more there's a whole song about gray gardens so <gasps> there you go <laughs> it's not my favorite album it's so <laughs> Good, but yeah, Cigarettes and Chocolate Milk is one of those songs that went on all of my mix CDs for a very long time that I made for anyone. We were like, hi, like, I want to just hear, this is a little bit about me. And then Cigarettes and Chocolate Milk was usually like the first song on there. Like, <laughs> I mean, with a lyric like, I'm just a little bit heiress, a little bit Irish, a little bit Tower of Pisa whenever I see ya. So please be kind if I'm a mess. That's like <laughs> chef's kiss. Such good. Like, I absolutely, I love Rufus Wainwright. I love everything he does. And I, this is a absolute perfect album, start to finish. I love it so much. Mm, cool. And uh, that's, welcome to 2001, cool. everyone. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Uh, I wasn't reading another email. My bad. Uh 2001, June 4th to, to the 10th, that was uh, Sarah's thoughts on Rufus Wainwright, and I have never been so NPR. Uh, new <laughs> releases also out this week. Curse of the Hidden Mirror, Blue Oyster Cult's last album for 19 years. Uh, sorry, they put Cowbell one Fed. out last year. I'm so happy for them. The, oh, <laughs> the economy no, is... No, I couldn't believe it. I mean, Blue Oyster Cult, Don't Fear the Reaper. That's like, they're an old-ass band. Yeah. And then, they, like, and then you break up after 19 years. It's like, okay, they're... All right. done. Usually someone dies and someone else just goes on buys a boat somewhere. I got a second mortgage. Twenty. Yeah. The I year mean, we needed them back, they came back for us. If they're putting out an album in 2020, they are not fearing the Reaper because they yep. are old as fuck. <laughs> and who else do we have here? Oh God, the Economy of Sound by Seven Mary Three, <laughs> the original Nickelback, in my opinion. Uh, Essence by Lucinda Williams, Free City, the only album by uh, Saint Lunatics, Nelly's former group, uh, Inside Out by Trisha Yearwood, Sinner by Drowning Pool, a lot of dead people, Jesus, Alicia Keys' uh, debut, Songs in a, mi- in a Minor, <laughs> Songs in a Minor, uh, <laughs> it's capitalized in everything. <laughs> okay, that's not great, but that is a very good album Oh, well. hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'd play a, cl- uh, a cut off it, but a couple of, at least two, I think, go to number one. So we'll get to them. Oh, good. We also have Manau Chow and Proxima Estacion Esperanza and Radiohead Amnesiac, uh, which both of which were on the Rolling Stones' 500 Ooh. Greatest Album list before getting bumped in 2020. Ooh, not so good anymore, even though. Wow. <laughs> I totally forgot about Manu Chow. Mm-hmm. That was like 
Oh yeah, Megustas too. That was such a huge. That was. Song. I was in mm-hmm. Costa Rica, and that like people were singing that, that in the fucking streets everywhere. I mean, I think we might have listened to it in Spanish class in high school. I, like Manu Chao, I think. Like I'm came shocked up you heard lot. of it because like I don't. I don't know that I heard it in the states until my friend Carolyn would do it in karaoke, and I was just like, "Whoa!" I learned the lyrics to this while learning Spanish. Holy yeah. shit! Uh, <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that tonight because uh, that's been a while. But of course, uh, Lady Marmalade. It's been a while since I've heard that. Lady Marmalade by <laughs> Aguilera, Kim, Maya, and Pank. It's number one. Uh, we discussed all that great stuff last week. Uh, a, a little tiny bit of news. Did we mention that with Rob Schneider's movie last week, that that was the last movie to have fake quotes attributed from a fake critic? And mm. Sony Pictures, or was it? Sony Pictures has announced an investigation to get to the bottom of where this fictitious film critic came from. Like, it's is it really that hard to figure out where it came from? It's your marketing department, you dummy. The call's coming <laughs> yeah. from inside the yeah. studio. <laughs> yeah, I love their, their saying like, oh no, we just put in dummy text, you know, and then we forgot to take it out. And it's like, dude, I live and die by dummy text. There are only two kinds. There's... TK, TK, TK. Yeah, but, well, okay, there's three. There's TK, 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 TK. <laughs> there's Lorem Ipsum. And then there's ASDF, ASDF, ASDF. No one puts a full quote with an attribute. <laughs> with, a, with a real, yeah. with a proper name. No, 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 no. I've seen that on some of the things I've worked on. And in like a G-rated game, they'll put in a lot of like, these words better be removed or we'll all be fired kind mm. of thing. Like you, these will be noticed before this goes out. Yeah. Uh, like I've, I've seen, and it's my worst nightmare, but I've seen like other newspapers, like people sharing clips of a newspaper. That's like hockey headline goes here and here and here and here. That's, <laughs> that's what I do. That's how I fill up a space. <laughs> now that's my nightmare that that's going to happen. Uh, it's never happened. Nope. Ah, Diana the Diligent, we call her. As, as a copy editor, look, you have two fears. One is headline goes here and here and here and here, goes through. <laughs> and my number one fear in the world is pubic library. <laughs> it is so Ooh. easy to let that L slip, man. I have built macros into my computer to specifically find the word pubic and stop it. Yeah. The only pubic library I've seen during the pandemic is my own toilet seat. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Can't confirm. Uh, <laughs> I have been over there. And uh, another bit of funny news. I, I forgot why we were, I was talking about this. Oh, it's because, um, uh, you know, congratulations to my buddy John, who won Chopped the other night. Woo! And I was thinking about <laughs> nostalgic memories of, like, watching some of the movies we're about to talk about, going uh, going over to each other's house to watch DVDs we just found, but also the missing piece. When was the last time... You instant message someone like, "Hey, I'm coming over." <laughs> that was that was me back then. And then Microsoft has just announced, like, you know what? We're going to include Messenger in our next OS. <gasps> Fuck you, AOL. AIM. You're no longer going to have the stranglehold on instant messaging. AIM was so ingrained in all of our lives. Like, just uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think that when I met Sarah, I talked to you more there than text. At, at, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, but cell phones don't have it, so it's only for when you're at your computer. They yeah, had it. It was just that sloppy T nine. Can get a little larger. T nine. I, I mm. believe. I, I believe Sarah's boyfriend at the time was the one who showed me that T nine existed. It was a trick that was buried in all phones uh, that you could always text. And then once the once people found out kids were using it, they're like, "We got to start charging for this." I'm like you just noticed <laughs> this was happening. It's a free thing you've had on every phone. Oh. Anyway, moving on to real news: Stanley Cup, Colorado Avalanche beats the New Jersey Devils. That is more than one 
cryptozoological phenomenon defeated <laughs> by one avalanche. <laughs> 2001 movies, though, this is where things get interesting. Ah, that was why. Uh, the last movie on the list is the last movie I confirmed Let's watch this over AIM. That's the first time I can remember that happening. <laughs> um, but the first movie I th- uh, thought is is grand, and I have not seen it in a long time. Mm-hmm. Eat Mama Tembien. Yeah. yeah, we have two shitty blockbuster Hollywood movies and one tiny, tiny little baby movie out of Mexico, and they absolutely destroy <laughs> when it comes to recommendations Itu Mama Tambien yeah. destroys the competition this week a hundred percent and it was not a tiny movie if you hung out with the amount of gay men that I hung out with during right. this time period it was the biggest news <laughs> and uh Mary Belle Verdue but, all, but my introduction to Gail Garcia Bernal and Diego mm-hmm. Luna who yep. you continue to see and stuff on a regular basis yeah uh, this kind of made me realize that like the kind of one of those like like the story of film in the 90s is like the rise of independent movies and like one of the stories of the 2000s is we get at least three great directors come out of mexico yeah yeah um and, and they t- are like brand name directors it's like when you hear there's an inuatu movie if you're mm-hmm. a Quite film old. nerd like me inuatu crone and guillermo del toro and I'm, mm. I'll throw in like, Almodovar. Those are three of my favorite filmmakers. I'll throw in Almodovar in there because that's what I discovered around well, the same he's, period. He's from Spain. Oh, <laughs> Mexico. That's right. But so, I, I wrote about I wrote about them all in um, my Spanish thesis. That's that's why oh, I tied them together. I see. Yeah. So Itu Mama Tambien is great. Kind of late coming of age movie because they're like yeah. college age or so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, these two guys. One is from a rich family. One's from a poor family. They're in Mexico, and. They meet up with one of their cousins' wives who's having problems in her marriage, and then they go on a road trip. Yes. And things get mosque sexy. Yes. Ooh, it's, caliente. It's how Stella got her groove back uh, if they made a sequel in Mexico? Two young men. Uh, that's mm. two young men. Yeah, but besides that it is mosque sexy, it's also, you know, like an interesting exploration of, like, friendship and, like, mm-hmm. the boundaries of friendship and... Mm-hmm. Growing up and be figuring out who you are. And that's kind of a theme for this week, figuring out who you are. I really love, I loved at the time, and I have not revisited this movie, but I'd really like to because I do love friendship, of course. And I especially love when friendship, the idea of affection within a friendship, those lines do get blurred. And I always remember feeling like that is not depicted on television enough. It is a little bit more with women, like women are able to be more affectionate with each other in relationships and friendships. But two men together, like being affectionate friends is just not depicted in Western Stop, yeah. or in you know in American media very much and it's a fucking shame yeah. and even yeah. when it is and they have to be in a separate country <laughs> gotta be in Italy <laughs> if we're gonna do that pal <laughs> yeah well that's the way they, like the kinds of intimacy it's like mm-hmm. they're they're oh, they're jerking off together mm-hmm. and it's like that's considered not that intimate but the idea of them like <laughs> having a three way that's so intimate that it's like they don't know what to do with it yeah, I never really got that about dudes like we'll get go to like a strip club and like have hard penises next to each other or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, but then like that's not weird, but like I don't know. You're preaching girls the choir holding sister. hands or like braiding each other's hair. I don't know. It just seems really <laughs> like I don't get it. Preach I don't preach I don't get it either. I did I did I do not want to go yell at something while I have a boner with all of my best friends. It, it does not does not make much sense to me at all. Why are you yelling? But if in this uh, scenario? have you never been to a strip club? You have to yell there? I mean people do. The music's very loud usually. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. Well, don't yell at the strippers. Be nice <laughs> I'm to not. Them. I'm usually doing just the, the whatever you hear in the background of uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit when Jessica comes and says, Oh, oh. <laughs> I just assume I'm for, I'm for, for kids. It's. <laughs> I, I assume you're playing Disney Magic Kingdoms on your phone the entire time. <laughs> no, not in years. Not in years. Oh, enough of that awkwardness. Time for some more awkwardness. Uh, one of my most anticipated movies of the summer really oh, shits in my did. mouth. I'm not kidding around. Every person in this I was excited to see in a movie. Oh my God, the Seven Up Yours guy, Boogie Nights Lady, American Pie Boy, Stifler's here, Mulder, and it's being directed by the Ghostbusters director and Dan Aykroyd's here, and it's about aliens? Holy shit, we have our Ghostbusters follow-up and a cast that's ready to take up the charge. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about evolution, and you should know how this works out. It's I tried watching, my girl's a fan of this for some reason, and I tried watching this semi-recently, like, this is fucking terrible like this is like legit terrible julianne moore sean williams scott orlando jones david Duchovny, and evolution what would you do if the world was ending could you repeat that i've seen this movie the black dude dies first sing you are so beautiful step back harry i'm gonna shoot him or fight back let's save the world yeah from the director of ghostbusters evolution too bad. Oh, so sad. Oh Christ! I so I watched this for the very first time because I heard this was a disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, I can understand how people, if they saw it as little kids, mm-hmm. would have affection for it, and that's the only reason why. Because like, there's wacky things going on. I can see kids liking it, but this was so unfunny. Yeah, and just just random and sloppy it was just sloppy it's i don't understand all these people deserve better i have one nice thing to say about it. the creature design is pretty cool it is uh, it is phil that... tippett coming in he's a pro we did a laser time on the topic when i believe when the previous ghostbusters came out and it's special effects comedies and it's why those yeah. don't really work and the, the the rule of thumb here is that comedies work in animated form because they spend years trying to get the comedy right. Live action comedy special effects driven movies don't really work because they have to like plan everything around the special effects and Mm. everything has to fall by the wayside. The comedy, the timing, everything is in service of getting these creatures right and they don't spend the time on the human element getting those jokes right as they have to on the effects because that'll really ruin the movie. So it just takes special effects comedy movies, comedy always takes a backseat. Because the effects are not bad. They're not in it for they're you know they're okay for two thousand one CG totally. they're they're pretty good so the plot here is in a weird synergy this has a similarity to another movie we're going to talk about about aliens in twenty eleven mm-hmm. in that it's about uh, a guy who used to be a high ranking scientist with like a secret government division but now teaches at a shitty school David Duchovny that is coming up again wow. Um, uh, and he and his uh, teacher buddy, Orlando Jones, who is macking on students, and that is uncomfortable, even if they're in college, <laughs> go out to a site where a meteor dropped and a bunch of goo comes out. And then the goo starts evolving first into single cell organisms and then like very, very, very rapidly into, you know, multi cells and then worms and then bugs and then monsters. And then they get loose and they start terrorizing uh, Arizona, which I'm fine with that. <laughs> poor julianne moore is yeah. deeply overqualified to be like this plucky scientist government lady who's very skeptical at first but then joins them and helps them and there's like so just so many times where it's like these 
these guys work at a community college and they start like yelling at generals and government scientists like you have to let us do this and they're like hey if you don't stop that we're going to arrest you and it's like this is it becomes a military site obviously you know like all walled off and there's like lots of jeeps running around as they're trying to figure out what's going on in this cave full of you know alien bugs and but they like never stop them like why are these characters even there for most of the movie <laughs> like they keep threatening them like we're going to arrest you and it's like you are on a military facility you get the MPs in there and you arrest Orlando Jones before he makes another pointless black guy joke. <laughs> he spends so much of the movie just pointing out, I'm black and black folks are like this and white folks are like this. And I'm like, this is somehow more racist than if no one ever mentioned anything. <laughs> it made me so mad. I hated this movie. I hated it so fucking yeah. much. I was watching it on Amazon and after it ended, it's like, if you like this movie, you'd probably like Galaxy Quest. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to watch Galaxy Quest now because I need to get the taste out of my mouth. It's it, Diane is correct. It is that bad. It is it is all that bad. Uh, and I, how is, dare Amazon insult Galaxy Quest like that? Yeah. yeah. You should have, it should have like, uh, you should watch Galaxy Quest instead of this in the beginning of the movie. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you really are you should. sure? Wouldn't you rather watch Galaxy Quest? Because that movie is wonderful. Yeah. Oh my God. I Yeah. I'd heard Evolution was terrible. It, Almost made its money back. When you take into, uh, you know, promotion and stuff, it probably ended up losing money. It tarred Ivan Reitman pretty hard. Yeah. And, and it's it, like, this is a massive failure from someone who should know better. I don't know what attracted him to this this script. I think because... Which it, was actually cobbled together from a couple scripts. I think uh, they were really shooting for a Ghostbusters thing, because lest you forget, there was a there was a merchandise line released at this time, yep. too. That and a cartoon. Also failed. Yes. It was supposed to be the, the dawn of this new big franchise and that was not to be so i think even if the movie made its money back there's a lot of other money that did not get recouped because of Mm-mm. the performance of this film I, I am stunned by how how unfunny i found evolution yes. frankly it's, it's one of those things I, usually that, there's like one chuckle somewhere and i was yeah. just like why it's not offensive it's just but it is irredeemable in my opinion there was nothing there's nothing yeah. good or nothing to latch on to not a scene not a line not a moment that made it worthwhile watching again. I could say the same thing about Swordfish because that was the movie uh, yep. I'd, <laughs> my buddy who I would aim, he was obsessed with this and would watch this for like, like every day. Uh, Love the movie why? Swordfish. So like I saw it once and like, this is not for me. And then I would just see scenes like, why are we still, the opening is awesome, dude. Um, is it? I, I don't know. I would not go back to it. I just... Sam, so Sam has a story about this movie. He went to like a video rental place and I think it was like looking for a movie and grabbed this. And like it was, I think, one of our local places here and asked the like rental clerk guy mm-hmm. like, hey, is this any good? And the guy apparently said, oh, yeah, bro. It's like everything that John Travolta does. Fucking amazing. <laughs> He always has the best hair. His performances are never laughable. Wow. Wow. Okay. Did he say if it was Greg's video? It probably was, to be honest. Oh, my God. Yeah. Swordfish. What what if you took a James Bond movie and stripped out all the humor and added snide, (laughs) rancid nihilism? Good quote. Yeah. Don Cheadle, Halle Berry, John Travolta, Hugh Jackman. Swordfish, number one at the box office. Best fighters in the world can do this in 60 minutes. I need someone who can do it in 60 seconds. Go! This summer, you can run. You can drive. You can fly. This is now an aerial pursuit. Because on June 8th, one word will get you where you need to go. 
producer of The Matrix. Oh, yeah. Swordfish. Made it all. Starts Friday, June 8th. Swordfish. Oh, boy. Yeah, so, Very I mean, technically, fan. I guess it's a heist movie. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, with trying to be twisty-turny and like, oh, it turns out so-and-so is actually not a criminal, but an undercover cop. And, oh, it turns out that Ugh. guy is actually not an undercop. They're a criminal. And Hugh Jackman is a hacker who John Travolta hires to do something so they can steal like a couple billion dollars. Uh, by far the most memorable scene is the scene that they just quoted of John Travolta saying it most takes most hackers 60 minutes. It, it needs to take you 60 seconds. Then he puts a gun to Hugh Jackman's head and a girl starts blowing him. Yeah. <laughs> That's the what? test. Can he do it with all of these distractions going on? Yeah. If it's anything like me yeah. playing Donkey Kong Country 2, no. Could yeah, not do that. No one can do it all that stuff. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah, so everyone's double-crossing and triple-crossing. It almost never makes sense, the double-crossing and triple-crossing. Nope. It is so style over substance. It's very, very flashy. Never trust a movie that talks about another movie inside the movie. This one, they talk about <laughs> Dog Day Afternoon a whole bunch. Oh, yeah. It's just massively stupid. But good job, Halle Berry, because she managed to get Five hundred thousand dollars mm-hmm. to be topless in this. That's a quarter million a per, scene, per, per booby. And in a scene that it is very clearly not, she does not need to be topless. She no. just sort of walks by, like I'm sun tanning. And you're like, what? yeah. She like doesn't she just like drop her mirror? It's it's not even sexy. Yeah. It just but in a smaller world that was a thing every article talked about that oh, yeah. that Halle Berry, one of the most beautiful women in the world, are making their nudity debut. Uh, in hey, this 10 movie. years after her regular debut in Jungle Fever. Yeah. <laughs> How far you've come. She probably, I guarantee she could not have made more than like $20,000 for Jungle Fever. And here she is <laughs> cashing them checks. Yeah. For, for sex work, that is not bad. Not bad at all. Better than $2. Quarter million per booby. Yes. From a movie 10 years ago, a $2 blowjob <laughs> to a $250,000 nipple. Yeah. Times two. Unbelievable. <sighs> Yeah, so I I grabbed a clip though that is pretty good where uh, Hugh Jackman and John or John Travolta keeps asking Hugh Jackman for this password, mm-hmm. and and then they have this back and forth. It's pretty fun. Hey, what's the matter? You don't understand English? You can't come in here unless you say swordfish. Now I give you one more guess. Sword. I think I got it. Is it swordfish? <laughs> That's it. You guess it. <laughs> of course. That is from the Wayans Brothers, <laughs> <laughs> upper crust comedy movie too. The- yeah. No, the the whole thing about the password is swordfish is a bit from the Marx Brothers movie Horse Feathers. Yeah. <laughs> it's the one nice thing I have to say about this movie is, well, I get the joke. Yeah. Who else gets my it? Di- my no dad one. gets the joke. It doesn't matter. This movie's about crashing cars. <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, and, and being teal and brown. It is also Ooh, very yeah. big big on that. Ooh, like it just yeah. it looks like yeah. the most miserable day in LA ever. When you <sighs> said it's like style over substance, the style isn't even good. Yeah. So it's just real bad all the way around. And also going back to the whole like hacker test, what security firm has people who are gonna give you a blowjob? <laughs> like, how is that replicating real world situations? How was I supposed to know the hacker was getting blown at the time? We cannot factor that into the authentication software. <laughs> uh, it's silly. It's stupid. It's silly. It's and so, it's so stupid. It, it it deserves I think it deserves its status as like a camp classic of the uh, like a, a good period movie of what not so much of what mm. the 2001s looked like, but what movies wanted the 2001s to look like. I think that's very yeah. inter- that can be very entertaining to watch. But like I still have a 
I don't know. This this movie is like a crust in my mouth for some reason. Just because of how many times I had to endure it. It's like the movie that they're referring to in that PSA that's like, you wouldn't download a car, would you? <laughs> like, I feel like that's, that's the, the movie, movie they're, they're talking, talking about. about. <laughs> we couldn't afford the rights to Swordfish, could we? <laughs> yeah, that was Swordfish the whole time. And, and this is crazy. There is so little going on on television in 2001. We have nothing to highlight. I find a single thing, y'all. That has happened in, yeah. in, um, I'm so sorry. In the 90s and the 80s, but never in the 2000s. But it it, it does happen occasionally. And I think that probably speaks to how much was expected of both of these films. Because I, yeah. I, I think I, mm. I fully thought these would rule the summer, and they both ended up being wet farts. But uh, there is one game to talk about during this period. Finally, our first game of the show, and only game up until now, Castlevania Circle of the Moon. And mm-hmm. this is... Again, we'll talk way more about this on patreon.com slash laser time. Castlevania is one of my favorite series ever. Keeps reinventing itself. And it sort of reinvents itself by taking the PlayStation Symphony Night formula and bringing it to portables. And that is kind of where Castlevania will live the last of its days before getting God Award. Mr. Diana Goodman and Michael Pars will help me explain all this, I assure you. But um, Circle of the Moon is, is, but is like an out of, seemingly out of nowhere, very good, very politely dense portable game for a game that started out as just a side scroller and then got way more complicated as it went on but uh, i love castlevania so much there aren't enough good horror action games <laughs> uh, is that why sarah made this reference is that what we're going out with um it's been a while well, is that <laughs> yeah yeah uh, it's been a while by stained is is on the charts this week but i feel like since the only thing we recommended is, is Itumama tambien and we just mentioned manu chow we should probably go with megustas 2 instead yeah let's do that love it megusta yeah. 2 so we'll close out with manu chow megusta 2 and we'll be right back with 2011 stay right there internet and all the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of june 4th through 10th oh it's a beautiful summertime and you want to watch a movie that takes place out in the desert and it's so sunny and warm the sun's really beating down and really makes you feel the summertime well i got a movie for you and it's turning 70 years old this week it's Okay, it's not a warm summertime movie. It's Ace in the Hole, directed by Billy Wilder. Possibly the darkest movie ever fucking made. Uh, It is insane that it was made in 1951. Like, if you made this today, there would be so many think pieces about what this says about America, man. Ace in the Hole, like I said, it stars Kirk Douglas at his, like, Douglas-iest, Richard Benedict and Jan Sterling, and it's about... A sleazy reporter who is out in like the middle of New Mexico and his car breaks down and he doesn't know what to do. And at the same time, a guy gets trapped down a cave. Hey, caves are kind of a theme this week. He starts exploiting this man's tragedy so freaking hard, along with the guy's wife, along with like the rest of the town. And they, you know, they could rescue the guy, but 
what about where's the drama in just rescuing him now? Let's let's drag this out a little bit. You know what it just says about greed and fame is it's astonishing. I, I've said many times that Billy Wilder is my favorite filmmaker of all time. It's fascinating that he started out as a comedy writer and then he started directing films, which were immediately dark as hell. Lost Weekend, Sunset Boulevard, uh, Double Indemnity, probably the best film noir ever made. Ace in the Hole is by far the darkest. It is it, it is a cruel satire about man's inhumanity to man. And then he went on to go back to comedy and made some of the best comedies ever made, too. Uh, the Apartment, which is kind of a comedy drama. Some Like It Hot, probably one of the best comedies of all time. Uh, and it's wacky as hell. And there are not a lot of directors that could do both. Uh, we're about to talk about Steven Spielberg a whole bunch, and he's made, like, one straight-up comedy? Maybe? Kubrick made one, and it was dark as hell. Hitchcock's comedies were sort of, eh? But Ace in the Hole, 1951, absolute recommend. I, it's technically, I guess it's a film noir, just because it's about shitty people being shitty at each other for money. But I don't even know how to categorize it, except dark. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's it. Ace in the Hole, 1951. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Welcome back to 2011. Uh, Suck it and see. That's the Arctic Monkey song off of the the album of the same name and. I'm just hoping Sarah is here with the Arctic Monkey knowledge because it's it's it was so short lived my fleeting interest in, in the Arctic Monkeys. It was very short lived. <laughs> yes. I mean, I think I don't know more than the just the the hits that we all know by the Arctic Monkeys. Yeah, I often get them confused with another band of a similar name, Snow Patrol. Yes. Yes, that. I do. But then also, <laughs> there's another band, and they had an album called The Neighborhood Arctic Fire. Arcade uh, Fire. Arcade Fire. Arcade Fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it's all confused. Arcade Fire went a little further with, but, it, but uh, nothing against the Arctic Monkeys, but I, yeah. the way they were talked about it's like, we found our new Beatles. <laughs> Just like, and I come across this note, this in our notes, I'm like, I have not thought about the new Beatles in like at least nine years. But Arctic Monkeys, I come to that form. I, again, I'm not complaining or calling them shitty. You know what, people? It's, it's always a good time to say, like, uh, we cover a lot on this show, and I don't have to like all of it. And, I think that's been borne out, especially this week. And I very rarely mm-hmm. crap on something that I just don't know. I'll tell you when I have an op- a negative opinion about something. Just not being interested is not the same as being negative. Uh, just saying. I don't know what what, paused, what what brought that up, but it, it does happen from time to time. I read something like, I didn't say that. Like, what are you talking about? I just didn't love the thing that you loved. Did you realize we talked about 200 things in this episode? Any love for the things <laughs> I did love? Uh, new releases also in 20, uh, 2011, June 4th through the 10th, Dirty Work. By Norm MacDonald. I mean, all-time low, sadly. Class Drop by Battles. Homeschool Valedictorian by Adelita's Way. And Little Hell by City and Color. Self-titled album by Cults. And All Sixes and Sevens by Tech Nine. Rolling in the Deep by Adele is number one right now. Can we move on from music? Sure. Can we move into... Um, is this, this is another fucking... Beverly Cleary-esque book that's adapted like two decades too late. Um, yep. When we talk about Ramona and Beezus, and here we have Judy Moody and the Not Bummer Summer, starring Heather Graham, Paris Ma- Who are these people? Julia White! I know that one. Um, yeah, I, most of them are kids. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Got uh, Paris Mosteller, Preston Bailey, Garrett Ryan, Taylor Hender. 
Jordana Betty. Uh, wow. I Previous ones like this where it's like, I recognize the book. I didn't bother watching this. I don't have kids. I'm not a kid anymore. Haven't been for some time. Most, yeah, most of them, it's like, they get okay reviews. And most of them say, like, yeah, it's fine for kids. It gets something like a 60-something in Rotten Tomatoes. And everyone just kind of shrugs. This one got really bad reviews. Oh. oh. Where they said, it's just kind of a series of skits. And it's too frantic and loud for anyone except very small children. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, that does sound like a bummer summer then. Mm-hmm. Because I remember the book is being fun about like this girl who's, you know, challenges her friends. Like, we're going to have the best summer of all time. We're going to have these crazy adventures. But then like her friends all leave town. And so she's just trying to do that herself. Hmm. Just have crazy adventures like her and her uh, siblings and her crazy aunt because her mom's out of town. Another theme for this week. <laughs> And oh, the reviews were so harsh. Except they all said that they liked Heather Graham. And ha- how can you not? Because she's she's Heather Graham. Yeah. She's delightful. It's fucking roller yeah. girl. Fucking uh, roller girl, man. <laughs> have some respect. And then also out this week, oh boy, uh, Carla Bruni, Michael Sheen, Rachel Adams, Mick Adams, uh, Adrian Brody, uh, Kathy Bates, Marion Cotillard, and um, am I saying your name right? Owen Wilson. Oh, wow. It is Midnight in Paris. So, okay, we have a Woody Allen joint. <laughs> oh. Uh, right. So, yeah. But uh, it's one of the least Woody Allen-y, Woody Allen-y movies. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, there's definitely like the Woody Allen surrogate character who is very Woody Allen-y, Owen mm-hmm. Wilson. And it does have the problem of all Woody Allen movies especially after the earlier funny ones where it's like, well, these are about spectacularly rich people and who are all pseudo intellectuals. And I kind of don't care because uh, they're all period. idiots. I mean, especially once he starts getting into Europe, I mean, match point, mm-hmm. Vicky, Christina, Barcelona, midnight in Paris. Next up, we have to Rome with love. Like, yeah. Okay. So now we're going to even a richer echelon of assholes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're at a very, like, these are the maybe the richest assholes that he does stuff. And I think, like, Vicky Cristina Barcelona's got some really good stuff in it. Yes. I generally like it. Matchpoint is actually a really good thriller. I think that yes. might be the least Woody Allen-y thing. Yeah, but, I think that's the least. But but this is, if you hate Woody Allen and that's fair, well, but if you hate him as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. you might end up liking this because it's magical realism and -hmm. it's very romantic and sweet Mm -hmm. uh owen wilson plays uh, a rich idiot as they always do who is sounds like quite a stretch yeah with with his uh fiance rachel mcadams running around paris and they're gonna get married and he's feeling all this pressure and he he hates his career as a overpaid screenwriter obuhu and then when they're hanging out in paris like this car pulls up and he gets in it and it like takes him to paris in the 20s (laughs) and so he gets to meet all these cool people like uh gertrude stein and salvador dali and ernest hemingway and like all these cool artists Gerald. oh yeah scott fitzgerald like all these people that you know he idolizes mm-hmm. uh and thinking like I- i'm from like this is where i should have been i wish i had been born back then and so like you know he romanticizes the past and then he gets to go to the past and then in the end it's kind of about like how we all romanticize certain periods like, he mm-hmm. meets up with Marion Cotillard, who's, like, having an affair with Picasso. But she thinks, like, oh, I wish I had been born in the 1890s. That is such a more beautiful time. I don't know what the fuck that accent was. It was very Borat. <laughs> <laughs> Just picture Borat. It's funnier. Uh, it is. It's so yeah. much better. <laughs> and so, again, it's like, 
another movie sort of about like finding yourself and, and getting over your internal malaise and like finding what finding your passion for art and stuff. And uh, yeah, you don't want to get Woody Allen any money. I say steal this movie because it is a fun watch. I think it's one of his best. I think it's his highest grossing film of all time. It was very popular. And uh, if you don't, I'm going to save you the trouble and uh, give you probably the funniest scene, which is uh, so Owen Wilson is talking to photographer Man Ray, filmmaker Louis Bunuel, and painter Salvador Dali, played by Adrian Brody, who's really funny. Mm-hmm. So he's with some surrealists and he tells them, look, I, I am from the year 2011. I get in a car every night and I come here and I'm unstuck in time. And they all go, well, yeah, that makes sense. There is another woman. Adriana, yes. And I'm very drawn to her. I find her you know, extremely alluring. You know, the, you know, the problem is that other men, great artists, geniuses, are also find her alluring and she finds you know, them. So it's that. But... A man in love with a woman from a different era. I see a photograph. I see a film. I see an insurmountable problem. I see that an what? I didn't hear what he said. <laughs> a what? A rhinoceros? A rhinoceros, okay. yes. Salvador Dali seen a rhinoceros. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm so mad I laughed at that. <laughs> I know. That, that no. joke smells like my own farts. I, re- I mean, <laughs> I fucking hate Woody Allen, and I do think I he's actually an extreme pretty overrated filmmaker in general and i also think he has more misses than his in general mm-hmm. but vicky christina barcelona is kind of my jam of the these later era woody allen's my sister though absolutely loves midnight in paris and that's her mm-hmm. biggest jam it is extremely charming yeah i just wish it was made by wes anderson oh <laughs> it's got a wilson that in would it. have been it yeah. gives me some real uh, Wes Anderson feelings, but or also um, the guy who directed The Science of Sleep, Michelle Gondry. Gondry, yes. Oh, wish yeah. it was a Michelle Gondry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. someone who at least has a little more of a surreal artistic touch. Right. Woody Allen's right. just like yeah. a utilitarian, a Kevin Smith with a fucking degree. It's just like, like- <laughs> well, this this one in particular, like he's intentionally not showy with the directing it's very very straightforward the camera doesn't move too much it's just there to witness and that that's a good thing you could make this it would be even tweer if the camera was doing fun stuff it's it's yeah there's there's a version of this film that just makes me want to throw up over and over and over (laughs) as opposed to because it's like too twee and too adorable and like too I don't know, like Owen Wilson's like the chosen one who's the specialist boy who can go back to the 20s and everyone tells him how great he is, you know, that kind of shit. And there there isn't as much of that. It, yeah, Midnight in Paris is it's really, really charming. And I say, yes, steal it. Mm-hmm. If I, I recommend it as a movie, but you, you should steal it because don't give Woody Allen your money. The Bohemians of the 20s would want you to steal it. Yes. It's true. Yes. It's true. Exactly. Watch it with Moulin Rouge, yeah. honestly. Art should not be a commodity. True. Art belongs to the people. Yeah. True. Screener on the also, wall of the back patio of your favorite coffee house. Art yeah. belongs to the people along with free food, housing, and health care. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's definitely very Woody Allen too, because it's like, yeah, don't we all fantasize about going back in time? Yes, if you're a white man. No. <laughs> you definitely <laughs> would fantasize about that. But if you're not, mm. they see Josephine Baker. That's oh. nice. Uh, I haven't the had a one good... black person who had it almost okay in the twenties. Yeah, I, 
I don't know that I've had a real good track record with uh, hanging mm-hmm. out with people, famous people uh, in person. I do like seeing some of my favorite bands and comedians also, and speakers, but don't, don't, I don't need to meet them. I don't have that in me. Also, I mean, half the people that make up the 1920s like fantasy famous people cast were notoriously abusive to women. <laughs> like every name you named just now, basically, like the vast yeah. majority of them were Adrian Brody? Basically sadist to the women in their lives. Uh, and even if they weren't, they would be so drunk all the time. Yeah. And, I'm okay you with know, that. Sometimes they're saying like really witty, fascinating things, but the rest of the time they're throwing up on your shoes. And that's just embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Shitting the bed, that real old style drunk. Oh, <laughs> no. Yeah, you do not want to clean up after Ernest Hemingway, man. Oh, my God. Ooh. Oh, Girl, no. Those daiquiris will go right through you. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Um, and then another hard pivot into the number one movie at the box office this week. Man, did this come and go so fast. The hype was painful. I, I watched the trailer today because I, you know, I'm going to shit on this a little bit just because I, I watched the trailer like every day. I could not wait for this movie. This cast will barely give it away because they're all kids. Uh, Riley Griffiths, Gabriel Basso, Noah Emmerich, uh, Ron Eldrard, Kyle Chandler, El-, El Fanning, and Joel Courtney. Double J back again, uh, teasing us with something that this is <laughs> Super Eight, la- ladies and gentlemen. Super Eight. It has escaped. It has a plan. Fuse box electrical systems ripped out. Same thing over here. Somebody took the damn wires there's something else going on. On June 10th. Is this normal? Find out why it's here. Super 8. In theaters and IMAX June 10th. Super 8. And just the, the vibes coming off this trailer. This Spielbergian bike riding, alien loving, mystery of everything. And then you find out like this is produced by Spielberg. And that's just kind of weird. You shouldn't produce yeah. your own homage. Like, that's... <laughs> Why not? That's how you can make sure it's done right. J.J. <laughs> Abrams want to do this, or did you ask him, hey, man, how much you love me? I got a script for you. <laughs> <laughs> and the, or not? why not let Spielberg just do it? But then I, I feel like even if you did, it would have turned out exactly the same. Yeah. What, what, yeah. My problem, again, with this movie is the J.J. Abrams hype cycle, which I had told myself I wouldn't get involved with ever again after Cloverfield and Lost, and I did, and it gave you a lot of misconceptions about what this movie was going to focus on and where it would eventually go and i found it amazingly disappointing as did most everyone i know who saw it day one and never thought about it again and but it, that sucks because it's it not a bad movie it's not a disappointing movie i quite enjoyed it and i was very i mean it's i remember the jj abrams hype but i really was i was pretty divorced from that you and I, Sarah, I, I, were born I, in the hype. J.J. Abrams <laughs> met Sarah when Lost was very popular. We watched it together. <laughs> uh, yeah, and after Lost, I got burned by Lost. I was like, fuck this fucking liar, I remember dude, hanging out with your boyfriend. Her. So they said the name Tallahassee in this episode, and they said it in this episode, and it yeah, all's going to yeah, connect yeah. like it all was meaningless. It meant nothing. It meant yeah, nothing. Yeah, very into that. And it's the, the same with this. Like, they were super hyping about, like, what could it be? What is the mystery? And then they had, like, the, the online reality or like games the interactive games where it's like valve me the game for this clip you find like this clip and you take it to this other website and then if you look in like the link then it says this and it's like oh and that's a reference in this and oh it's going to turn out to be the cloverfield monster oh it's going to turn out to be the you know it's going to be whatever and like they make it seem like it's so complicated it's an alien 
Yeah. It's an alien. It's an alien. It's an alien movie. And it's also just a regular it, one. It's like JJ Abrams should have just gone into PR or advertising. <laughs> because yeah. that's really yeah. like where his heart is, I feel like. Yeah. So yeah, I mean his best movie is an homage, in my opinion, Force Awakens. Everything else leaves mm. me pretty disappointed that he's ever yeah. done. Well, first Star Trek's all right. And that was his and previous I, I movie. I like Mission Impossible 3. I'm not crapping on that. Yeah. Yeah, and, Mission Impossible. No, he's made some good movies. I mean, I appreciate that he's coming off of the, the big old Star Trek, and that turned out to be way better than people expected. And so he's like, well, you know, I got the script idea kicking around. So I'm sort of workshopping it with Spielberg so I can write it. And I wanted to make something about, like, kids who like to make movies. Uh, I feel like he's a little bit inspired by the kids who did a shot for shot remake of Raiders, yeah. which has a documentary about it on Fuck Tubi yeah. called like, and it's, I just watched that right after this. I had to go watch that. And it was really good called, was it Raiders? The star story of the best fan film ever made. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's about these, you know, kids who are like making their own little movies with the super eight film camera. And while they're filming, there's a horrible accident with this train and something is loose. It's not a bad movie at all, but yeah. everything feels very half-baked. Yes. Like, the the whole thing with the kids making the movie, they could have done so much more with it. But really, it was just an excuse to get those children in that one place at during that time. Mm-hmm. They could have yeah. been doing anything. Like, it, it, they could have been playing stickball, like, in the next <laughs> field. Like, it, it's... It, that really doesn't have anything to do with like any of the actual action in the movie. They don't really yeah. develop like what the alien is that much. They don't really nothing's really developed. And so specifically for this, this is definitely to me. And how it didn't it didn't substance. tie it didn't tie into the advanced research I had done in the beginning. Right. Like, well, it, there's but you can see there's a sign for slusho. And remember oh, that there was slusho oh, in Cloverfield. Oh and maybe yeah. it was the Japanese company were digging, and that's when they found the monster. It fell on a raft no. in a giant battleship. It, it's awful. It's it, no, but again, that's nothing. This movie fell out of the consciousness so fast. Mm-hmm. No one brought this up when Stranger Things came out. Nobody. Oh, I know. Nobody. I know. No, and, and <laughs> I like the little kid acting in this. So do Generally, I. I am not a fan of little kid acting, but I think it's very good. Like these little kids are really doing everything. And of course, I will always enjoy having Kyle Chandler on my screen. Mm. He's oh, yeah. Just the best. I just absolutely love him. I just love his acting, love his whole vibe. Can't yeah, wait. Can't wait for Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> Should have. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, that's Diane who hates that movie. But I mean, obviously, like, really, he is going for that classic Spielberg vibe. Mm. That's really what this movie comes down to. Is like it's leaning so hard on ET, mostly ET, but Goonies, a little bit Close Encounters is in there mm-hmm. too. Uh, yeah, and. The music replicates it, too. It's Michael Giacchino, again, who's seriously one of my favorite composers, because he knows how to do things that evoke something without actually just ripping it off. Mm-hmm. Because he, he does, like, a Best of John Williams compilation of this. There's, like, okay, well, that's kind of like E.T., but that's kind of like the plane scene in Raiders. And then that's a little bit Superman-ish. It's, like, he's just mm. he's doing such a good job. It's a really, really good score that just nails that john williams et vibe which is really hard to do because everyone has tried since they want to make you cry they go for that et sort of vibe and they usually fail it usually ends up being too treacly you gotta, you gotta earn that it's all it's that all that music leading up to the everything that happens before that mm-hmm. is the best part about that score the yeah. bikes are going down the hill god damn i'm gonna go watch et right now that's what super eight <laughs> always makes me feel like uh, i should yeah, be watching but... et instead yeah yeah, but then it also, you know, again, with, like, the friendship, the growing up, the learning to 
power through, you know, become a real person, figure out who you are. And even though things are scary, like with the power of friendship, you know, we can we can trust each other to get through the scary thing. Yay. That's nice. I would love to hear if anybody knows of any kids who have discovered this movie. They The only difference between this and a normal Spielberg movie of this era is that the adults do play a pretty big, substantial part in all the goings on. But I would love to hear if people who did see this when they were kids and latch onto it in any way. Because it didn't work for me, and I was <laughs> my 30-year-old ass. So, yeah, I would, yeah. I would love to see if it, something kids could gravitate towards, or if it was just purely yeah. nostalgia. Hmm. Yeah, but also, like, ugh, we have so few movies that are not based on other IP, mm-hmm. and yeah. mm-hmm. so few things that reckon back to a different kind of entertainment and do it like authentically like you know stranger things is a lot of fun Mm -hmm. but the direction's not especially every now and then there'll be like a little flare flourish but it's pretty straightforward like they're not really trying to emulate something else or do it in a new way or differently and that it's like yeah could we have more of that i mean i don't want to just have nostalgia where it's like hee hee this reminds me of that thing i liked (laughs) but take you want to see the things that worked there's reasons different the et works you know use those things in other things and also some original properties every now i hear what you're saying the the 80s and early 90s needs it's tarantino it needs it needs someone who cares enough about that aesthetic and motif to bring it back in a way that's authentic and uh not fully dependent on another pre-existing thing Um, yeah so yeah i would be interested to hear what what younger folks would say about this they yeah don't have that in big nostalgia i think it would be really cool <laughs> if this was like a didn't grow up with et being the biggest thing ever yeah if this was like a 10 or 15 year old's favorite movie i think that'd be really neat and then it succeeds on a level i can't possibly describe or weigh in on uh but mm-hmm. i've never ever heard of that i've never seen this air anywhere else i've heard nobody talk about it since it came out uh, i remember everyone being bit pretty disappointed because yeah, which is a bummer because outside of the hype now that we're 10 years outside of that yeah. hype and you can just take it on its own turns it's fine yeah it's, it was pretty fun i liked it that can happen that can happen <laughs> we're coming up on matrix sequels so i can't wait to <laughs> oh crap feel that all over again <laughs> um a victim of uh, yeah, movies that were a victim of my own hype my generation's hype yeah. i get it i get it oh well awesomely hard pivots oh my god speaking of being a kid of the 80s imagine if you will little christopher being a one television household and then all of a sudden the kid stuff on television disappears without a trace and your dad grabs the clicker which we didn't have we had to manually change the channel and you hear the music of the mcneil lair news hour the biggest form of kid (laughs) kryptonite that ever existed it was it was always like oh there will be no fun radiating from this box throughout the rest of the night because the McNeil Air News Hour is on. I, I remember this being my enemy when this guy died. <laughs> I was probably happy. Um, and <laughs> Jim oh. Lair steps down as host of PBS News Hour after thirty six years. Can you imagine having that kind of job security? <laughs> oh my god! Well, wow, I, I can't um, imagine being on television every day for th- five days a week, thirty six years. Pretty exhausting doing this podcast for a decade. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but we're also not on camera. This is a performance. Sometimes yeah. I'm not the person you're listening to. I would rather be asleep. So it, I, yeah. I get it. I get it. Yeah, that that seems pretty, pretty difficult. But also they have a ton of people working for them and we don't. So they're patreon.com slash laser time. We're doing all this shit. But yeah, he steps down after 36 years and it just becomes the PBS News Hour. Was it called the McNeil Lair News Hour? Am I crazy? It was, yeah, no, it was McHale Lair News Hour. And then when McNeil 
resigned, it became the PBS NewsHour with okay. Jim Lehrer. Mm. I see. And, or is McNeil Lehrer Report, I think it was. But yeah, I mean, it's it's just the Roundup news show, just like every network has it, except it's PBS. <laughs> so they do like the, some of the boring stuff that other people should cover. I, I have no access to PBS right now, weirdly. Their streaming site is broken and their antenna fell down three years ago and they have not fixed it. Um, so we cannot receive PBS. But I was watching it at my dad's and I encourage you do because you don't realize how used to the news you are presented by pretty people. All of the cable news stations have very pretty people telling you the news, and PBS to this day still has, oh, these people better be experts because they do not look camera ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. Chunky, bad hair. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Watch your PBS. Your oh, Judy Woodruff. <laughs> yeah, and it was Gwen Eiffel for a while, too. Lots they of, all, uh, they all have good... They'll have both voices and faces often for radio. Yeah. And and, and I'll even say <laughs> something I haven't seen in, on the news in a while, goatees for radio. That's a, that is an interesting look in 2011, friend. Uh, but yeah, another hard pivot into the MTV Movie Awards, not celebrating TV yet as they would. God, I never did talk. I meant to talk about that somewhere, watching the MTV Movie Awards this year. But uh, the MTV, if we haven't said that the MTV Movie Awards are always interesting to me, more interesting than music awards because... I think MTV's always been a little better at having its finger on the pulse of movies than music. Because it's mm-hmm. like music is always like, this yeah. is, it's just the music you're playing and you're not playing a lot of music. Movies yeah. you're yeah. talking about. And like you said, I think we had 2001 last week and mm-hmm. I think you nailed it, which is it's they always do this in June so yep. they can promote what's a big bunch of big summer movies yeah. so this this time it's going to be oh an exclusive clip from twilight saga breaking dawn part one Hell yeah yeah everyone wants to promote their summer movie comes out and it becomes like i think what as a little kid you wanted the oscars to look like and now as i get mm-hmm. older i want to see the old people come out one last time i don't care what the <laughs> tentpole movies being promoted what spider-man's doing i always care about yeah. what spider-man's doing but uh, but yeah a little more reflective of what not even young people, what movies people are actually watching, young and old mm-hmm. MTV Movie Awards. Who's hosting this year? What I miss? Jason, Jason Sudeikis. Jason Sudeikis. Kids love him. Kids love him. Love him. <laughs> no, What's I've up never, with that? Never known that to One. be the case. <laughs> what? Gary Busey presented Best Movie. That's the only thing Wild. catching my eye right now. Gary Busey had to say, the Twilight Saga eclipse. <laughs> <laughs> What is this group, though? Okay, Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part 1, I expect to be there. Yeah. Social Network, Inception, and Black Swan, I'm not so sure I expected them to be there. Black Swan getting a lot of attention, which, <laughs> by the way, is one of my favorite movies of the past, like, decade. Like, I absolutely yeah. love Black Swan so much. And, you know, Natalie Portman was nominated for Best Female Performance, beat out by Kristen Stewart for Twilight. I really enjoyed seeing Black Swan was also nominated for Best Kiss between Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis. Duh. Right. Uh, but then Best Draw. Jaw-dropping moment. Best Jaw-dropping This is the, one of the greatest categories ever. <laughs> Mutilation. Pull skin off of her own finger. Natalie Portman from Black Swan. That was what she was nominated. She's, she she's that, nominated but... up, up against Elliot Page and Leonardo DiCaprio for the Paris explosion scene. Uh, James Franco cutting off his own arm in 127 hours. And Steve-O... <laughs> Bungee jumping and dog shit in a porta potty. Sorry, but then they all lost to Justin Bieber singing in a live. <laughs> How is this Justin Bieber's Never Say Never. What the fuck? Uh, what the fuck? Uh, I don't get it. 
But just that, that Steve-O was nominated alongside Natalie Portman in a movie award show. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. For, like, yeah. Body horror. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, like, half of this category is body horror. <laughs> like, mm. cutting off your own arm. I would say being in a porta potty with a bunch of feces is probably body horror. <laughs> yeah. You have not seen that Very sequence. Steve-O throws up while yelling the words, Poop! Poop! It's wonderful. <laughs> okay, but I also want to say that, I mean, I love it. I support it. But one of the categories is just Best Latino Actor. <laughs> that seems strange, right? Yeah, seems probably. strange to add. Yeah. Just have, like, as a separate category? Yeah, especially when they, yeah. they, they nominated Danny Trejo, who any year is in, like, 15 fucking movies. You don't want to go but up it's against Machete. It's <laughs> Machete. It is Machete. It's a starring role. It's true. What? Why are they doing that? But they give they give awards for best movie lines. It went to the movie Grown Ups, so it can't all be great. But uh, Emma Stone won for best comedic performance in Easy A. Yeah, I support that. that. You guys can get behind that. Biggest badass is Chloe Grace Moretz from Kick Ass. All yeah. right, all right. Sure yeah. enough, I'll take it. But. I'm I'm a little upset that uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt versus Hallway Attacker did not win for best fight oh, in Inception come because on. come on they had to build a hallway that turned mm-hmm. on like a a machine basically in order to make that <laughs> like yeah. I can't even think of what that machine is called but that's crazy that that didn't win I'm sorry no it's- no of course it's Twilight. Everything's Twilight. Of course, it's Twilight. <laughs> Everything is Twilight. It's Twilight, uh, Jake. <laughs> speaking of, the popularity of Twilight means MTV is debuting a bunch of shows I never watched, but like I couldn't tell if they weren't for me or they like, dude, come on, come watch our Teen Wolf show. You're gonna love this. <laughs> like, Teen Wolf feels like I'm a bit too young to love those movies. I well, vaguely remember seeing them. I have not watched Teen Wolf, but based on. My taste, and considering that I devoured the Vampire Diaries last year in in quarantine, and am still watching Supernatural, I probably will be watching Teen Wolf next year. Do it, do it. I, I was disappointed to find out. No, it's not a comedy. No, it's not. It, it, it it's sexy. just Twilight. Right. It's just a sexy teenage, sexy, thing. sexy werewolf. Yeah, which is okay. Does, yeah, me too. Anybody surf on top of a van? Come on, I mean, they have to at least once. That's what right? Teen Wolf's all about. Yeah. Um, I always love telling that story. My friend got pulled over doing that, and the only thing they could think to give him a ticket for was no seatbelt. He was pulling a Teen Wolf. <laughs> There's no charge for Teen Wolfing? <laughs> There's no charge for moto surfing. All right, that's Surf Ninjas. Uh, and then on the 6th of June, 2011, Switched at Birth debuts. Yeah, so this is an ABC Family television program. It went on for five seasons, but what? I think it's... um. Based on what I could tell, it looks like the plot is pretty um, straightforward. Self-explanatory. Yeah, it, like, it's the same as like that TV, was it a TV movie or miniseries that was also called Switched at Birth that was based mm-hmm. on real people. It was a TV where, movie. Yeah, where two, the babies were switched in the hospital accidentally and then you know they grow up and they realize it and I think one of them is sick or passes away and then you know her the birth family who just lost their daughter they thought was their daughter is like trying to reconnect with their biological daughter and it's like well you know which family does she really belong with and that's well, supposed to be all right can't imagine that being that much of an argument like uh sir after 11 years uh we'd like to t- petland send you the wrong dog would you like a refund and your the dog you asked for like yeah, yeah. get rid of this motherfucker I, <laughs> yeah this isn't my dog oh i didn't even order him get him out of here it's been 10 <laughs> years with someone else's dog <laughs> It's, what a silly concept! I, I, it's interesting because you just get two mm. families, you lucky dog, and no yeah. one gets no one gets the divorce. 
Or has to divorce. That's just me not wanting to talk about the game. Nobody gets to divorce. Interesting turn <laughs> no, of no. phrase there. Nobody has to divorce to get two families. <laughs> yeah, okay. not so much an interesting turn of phrase, but a terrible way to phrase something. Uh, that's that's what I'm known for. 2011 games, good lord. Duke Nukem Critical Mask for Nintendo DS. I forgot this existed. A weird little steampunk pioneer... Shoot 'em up, <laughs> Jamestown, like a little spaceship shooter. Jamestown, really neat looking game, a game I really liked. Red Faction Armageddon, that is the Red Faction series coming to a close um, oh. with Armageddon. Not a bad game. And then a game I just couldn't get behind Cartoon Network Punch Time Explosion. You think Smash <laughs> Brothers for Cartoon Network have Dexter fight Chowder with Space Ghost narrating? And it, but it's yeah they don't bring a lot of the voice talent in so it's a little bit of a bummer in that way it's just a bunch of models hitting each other that's on ds i think comes out later on Wii and other platforms you tell me what you thought we got a facebook community lasertimepodcast.com you can drop us a comment and uh, don't forget patreon.com slash laser time where uh, mr dinagub and michael pars and maddie allen will tell you more about these games in depth every month using our collective several million years of experience in the actual games industry. We're not just <laughs> self-elected pundits. We have worked in games for a long time, them especially. Anyway, Di, where can people find you at? They can find me on the Twitter at listenernerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, that's 302010podcast. And then teasing next week, we got some superheroes Oh, Lord, do we have some superheroes. We've got Ryan Reynolds as a superhero. I saw a game release that I just like, this can't be now, can it? There's mm-hmm. no. Oh, goodness. Uh, we got Angelina Jolie as, I mean, kind of a superhero. Mm-hmm. I do a love hero. this movie. And then we have, oh, God, I knew it was coming. The Robin Hood with the worst accent of all time, but the best bad guy. Ooh. Oh, oh my I'm God. excited. It's also- out. <laughs> Gave birth to the most romantic song ever written. Oh, God, no. (laughs) If you're five-year-old me. (laughs) I was watching City Slickers on HBO Max. If I didn't say that's where it was available. And when it was done, it recommended me two movies we'll be discussing very soon, including that one. I'm like, get out of my brain, HBO Max. You can't. <laughs> or maybe like, did I just hit a, an algorithm of people who only watch these movies? Ew. Yeah, with that, but, but who died during this period? We got a birthday quiz to do? Come on, people. All right. Uh, well, we'll start with who died. In 1991, we lost Stan Getz, a jazz saxophone player. He was 64. In 2011, we lost Leonard B. Stern, 87, who's a comedy writer and the co-creator of Mad Libs. Wow. Cool. Nitek Pemper, 91, who helped type up Schindler's List. Whoa. Does he really deserve that much credit for that? There's a lot of typing. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. I mean, there's at least 1,200 names. There's, Mm. There's a lot of typing. I mean, that's like really serious, but I do have to highlight a modern hero. (laughs) <laughs> this week in 2011, we lost Shrek the Sheep, who was 16. And Shrek the Sheep is one of my heroes. Oh, what's up? Uh, he's a Merino sheep in New Zealand who disappeared in 1998. He made a break for it and he hid out for at least six years. Literally living found... on the lamb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when he was found in 2004, he had an extra 60 pounds of wool on him. And they figured out that he had survived because he was too fluffy to be eaten or injured. If he fell over, he'd be fine. If someone tried to bite him, no, he's too fluffy. <laughs> too fluffy. And I, I'm shocked to have learned that there has since been a sheep that is fluffier. In Australia, there was a sheep who 
had 90 pounds of wool on him when he was found. Wow. He is a hero and his name is Chris. I uh, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Wait, is that a joke against me or there's a real sheep named Chris? No, there's really sh- oh. Chris the sheep. Look him up. I but I think... I included a picture of Shrek the sheep. You can all see it yourselves at tinyurl.com. It's Shrek the sheep. <laughs> it looks like something made it. by Pixar. It's he so is good. An absolute unit. It He's looks, the hero we need. It looks like yeah. a dirty daffodil with a tiny face popping out of the top <laughs> half. Yeah, I, I, love it. I take a certain inspiration from it. It's like become so fluffy they can't eat you, just yeah. mentally and emotionally. Even though the yes. other sheep just look at him as like a hobo. Oh, <laughs> no wonder he's never been eaten by. It's okay, he's figured it out. <laughs> yeah. He does. He does have a rather worldly look on his face for his sheep. <laughs> I'd say he's smug, honestly, <laughs> quite smug. I, I see you found me. <laughs> Come to Shrek, I'll tell you a tale. Uh, and <laughs> the things he's seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, after a point, he couldn't see. He was too fluffy. Well, fair. That's fair. <laughs> oh, he was just. Nobody found him until he like accidentally plugged up a well that people were drinking from. <laughs> uh, and with that, of the people who died, we got to learn the opposite end. The people who lived. Who was born this week? Birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Oh, birthday! Who's born, guys? Okay, we got a guy turning sixty. I learned so many interesting things about this person. So, born June 9th, nineteen sixty-one, in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, a lovely provincial seat I have visited. Mom did some acting on the side, and Dad was a cop, so they moved around a bit. Uh, they moved out outside Vancouver. And when he finished high school, that high school theater is now named for him. Pretty cool. Very cool. At 15, he starred on the very short-lived Canadian sitcom Leo and Me, which is about an Italian adventurer and his orphan nephew living on a shitty yacht he won in a card game. That sounds like it's going to offend me. Dave Coulier. <laughs> Interesting guess, but no. You went full nope. Canadian there. I'm like such, Very Canadian. I'm going through all the kids in the hall in my head right now. Yeah, not me them, too. Not them. All right. Well, he moved to L.A. when he was 18, and he got a sitcom because Matthew Broderick was unavailable. It's not the Ferris Bueller's Day Off show? No. no. Uh, Corin, he became his breakout star Corin and won Nemec. three consecutive Emmys in 1986, 1987, 1988. Oh, that Matthew Broderick would have been up for? Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not Michael J. Fox. It is Michael J. Fox. <laughs> Oh, no, my dynasty. Suck it and see. Suck it and see. I'm only paying $2 for it. <laughs> that was a lot of callbacks. That was yeah. good. That's good because we were going to get into the movies, and so many of them were such a giveaway. I was going to oh, list yeah. the, the names of his characters and their jobs. Yeah. The, so yeah. we've talked about Light of Day, where he plays Joe Resnick, singer of the band The Bar Busters. Bright Lights Big City, where he plays James Conway, journalist and coke addict. Secret of My Success, Brantley Foster, mailroom worker. Casualties of War, PFC, Max, Max Erickson, The Hard Way, Nick Lang, movie star. And then once he gets into TV, there's a theme developing. Uh, Boston Legal, he played a rich businessman who needed a lung transplant. Rescue Me, he played a guy in a wheelchair. Good Wife, he played a lawyer with dyskinesia. And Curb Your Enthusiasm, he played himself. Yeah. Right. Michael J. Fox. Yeah. Back to the Future. Plus, Back to the Future 2 and 2 three. and 3. We That's also talked fun- about. And Spin City is in there, too. Silly thing about who our is- show, the nature of the dates, we will, we will cover Back to the Future 1 in possibly our last season. 
um, four years from now. Possibly, we mm-hmm. could if we come back around to forty years ago. Yeah, we can. Oh no! Oh, we quarter. won't ever talk about it. Oh, that's so tragic. Yeah, it's gonna yeah, have to be a classic corner. Classic corner. corner. Oh no! Yeah. Also, does anyone remember who last week's birthday quiz was? I won it. I know that. Yes. Was it the Arctic? It's Leah Thompson. His mom is ten days older than him. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> don't like that. Don't like that. Had, that's a lot ten of makeup. Days. Yeah. Look, if that was your mom, you would have you would have banged her too. If that was your mom, what she was quite the looker in the 1950s. Yeah. Also, I think in the uh, I think I want to say late July, early August, we we actually hit the 30th anniversary of him starting to show Parkinson's syndromes. He he started to have syndromes on the set of Doc Hollywood. Doc Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Shot around around my old hometown. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What he's done then is freaking amazing. Listen to any interview with him. He's like. So it, he's upbeat without being like annoying about it. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. he's it's ah it makes me feel bad. Yeah, he's better it's, about it's, all my problems. It's yeah. like, well, if he can be like, all right, we'll deal with this, then I can be like, all right, he's, we'll deal with this. He also quit. <laughs> he also had got to stop working at like forty two with millions of dollars in his pocket. That's the only thing that separates him from us. But it, yeah. it, but I do like yeah just. Finding a bigger cause and not caring about acting anymore, where a lot of people yeah. have well, trouble he, walking away from this stuff. He didn't. He yeah. Well, he could have well, quietly retired and mm-hmm. focused on his health and not started a foundation and not testified before Congress unmedicated so they could see mm-hmm. like physically what he was going through. All that That's stuff is, is wonderful. And, and like he tends to only act when it is to benefit the foundation. Mm-hmm. Or to yep. call attention to that's the only reason he makes public appearances and doesn't seem to have a problem putting on like the, a, a, a down vest and playing Marty McFly just to point out, yeah, the Michael J. Fox Foundation is the thing. Thanks for yeah. thanks for having me and out. Come on, him on Curb Your Enthusiasm, yeah, so good, great. was so good. Where it's not just like I'm bringing attention, it's like, yeah, it's something I deal with every day. I can laugh at it, just like mm-hmm. people can laugh about being short or tall or whatever. We can, god damn. Okay. Yes. Yes, you can. Whatever you got going on, you can roll with it. That's I feel like that's the message. I wish I could take the heart. I wish I could be short just for one day. So it's overrated. Is it? (laughs) It'd be so easy to take the leash off the dog, pick up my newspaper. (laughs) No, I really can't think of anything else. I had to make the last one up. But that is about it for us, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Maybe consider tossing some bones to patreon.com slash laser time. Bonus time. Tony and Dave. Joining me for the our annual SNL awards, talking about SNL's uh, SNL season wrap up, our third annual podcast version of that. 30 2010 games. There's a new episode of that coming out, and a commentary for Stone Cold, which you can watch for free on YouTube, and I encourage you to. It is one of the most fun bad movies, and it very expensive, and a, a lot of. Let's close out with a Crazy by Seal. Is that out this? That's out this week. Last week. Yeah. This week, thirty years ago, Seal's big debut. Yeah, might be my favorite Seal song for real. Baby, baby, how could you say that right now? I am so shocked. Because that that <laughs> one that one was just so overplayed. I, I, I this one well, like it's still I sort of so good. discovered later. This makes and there's a joke about it in Robbie the Reindeer, where an actual seal is playing singing the song, and it's hilarious. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll close out with that. Uh, Come back next week, thirty twenty ten. We're covering just as much stuff. We've given you a tease. The worst Robin Hood movie ever made. I cannot wait to shit all over it. We'll see you next week. But we're never gonna survive unless we get a little.